Adam Sandler's Avengers, RoboCop returns, and Chicken Run is wonderful this week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, celebrating the anniversaries of all our favorite movies, TV shows, video games, music, and more. Uh, 30, 20, and 10 years back in time. Get it? That's how the show works. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista, and who else is with us? I'm Diana Goodman, and I don't want to be a pie. (laughs) (laughs) It's me, Sarah. I only watch the bad movies. Apparently, uh, this is this is such a weird week because yeah. last week was just fascinating to talk about. Whereas a lot of the movies here make me very mad. There, <laughs> oh man, there are some real capital D doozies in yeah. here. It's, it's yeah. some, not mad as in like, why isn't this better? I'm like, was this my fault? Was just <laughs> like was, <laughs> kind of notoriously bad movies yeah. in here. With I'd say one super super stellar one. Yes, and, yeah, yeah. And a yeah. couple surprises. A couple that I walked into thinking, well, this is going to suck eggs. And then it turned out to like have a lot of stuff worth looking at. So Language. Uh, th- this, <laughs> <laughs> this episode is executive produced by Stephen Bales and many other fine pa- people at patreon.com slash lasertime supporting this show and all the Lasertime Network, keeping us paid and our equipment up to date and our hosting fees. Uh, willy-nilly, that's not the right word. But uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe we can fix it in post if only we had more support financially. Uh, but we would. I did. We do have a late re- edition of thirty twenty ten games. All the thirty twenty and ten inter- ten year anniversaries of May and then June following very very soon. We have never recorded them so close back to back with the Video Game Apocalypse boys. Uh, tune into that show this week because I think we'll be talking about games that made you do things that you will feel guilty for later. I I, I know Michael worded that better. Uh, and uh, thank you everyone for uh, not giving me shit over last week's episode I am very surprised considering all the pearl clutching that tends to happen when I say silly things uh, <laughs> and and I, yes I couldn't be happy to do this week's show there's a weird I, ha- I have a weird first that I'll tell you right off the bat but we'll be, we'll be looking at June 19th the 25th in 1990 2020 10 that is 30 20 and 10 years ago at this time hey everybody hey Diana hey Sarah Let's Hi. go. Are you ready to talk about 1990? Oh, what a year. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, what a year. I didn't see much in notable news, but like lately we keep coming across things in different decades that makes Bruce Springsteen look cooler than even my dad thinks he is. And I saw that this week he's like, yeah, go ahead. Use my Born in the USA riff to live crew for your Band in the USA song. Cool. I support you. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> man. Cool. Like it's, it's, I used to make a lot of fun of him, but I keep coming up with cool, cool Bruce news. I mean, I love him. I love him more and more with everything I hear about him. Could not be different musically and just like, yeah, you got my support. Take it. Uh, and Band of the USA Reagan, is a fun song. Absolutely not. Reagan cannot use that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Two Left Crew, absolutely. I love them. Yeah, it's so weird. Uh, not a lot of artists support people on the right anyway. We don't need to talk about that. Movies of 1990. Man, I had a lot of fun talking with you cats about Dick Tracy last week. Oh, my goodness. Ooh, I did, too. That was so much fun. That Have you seen that? I don't know if it's like an experiment or what, where like an artist will take a different type of drug and mm-hmm. then draw self-portrait. Mm-hmm. 
for mm-hmm. each kind of drug and, you, and they're like all very different. Mm-hmm. That is what people should do with Dick Tracy, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what is Dick Tracy like when you're smoking weed? Yes. What is Dick Tracy like when you're hopped up on too many Diet Cokes? Like those are the drugs, right? <laughs> I, I think we just found a new podcast that could possibly get me arrested. <laughs> Reviewing things on different substances. Drug um, Tracy. I take all the drugs <laughs> featured in the movie and then I watch it. And, <laughs> and I'd uh, have, this week I would have had to take Nuke. More on that in a second. Uh, in the grand finale of Scarface, you make it two seconds into that movie. <laughs> my heart explodes all over my <laughs> shitty 302010 collage image. Oh, God. And uh, Dick Tracy is number one at the box office. You'll be happy to know. I was just too excited, man. That Dick Tracy, that is one of the best experiences I've ever had uh, watching <laughs> Dick Tracy like that. And it, just in general, it is a bizarre film. And I love that more people are talking about it now. And uh, But Dick Tracy is number one at the box office because marketing works. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I'll say. And we have, oh God, this is my crazy first this before we talk about the the big show in town, this little movie, which I remember weirdly, Catherine O'Hara, Burt Young, Anthony LaPaglia, Joe uh, Joey Bishop, wow, Joe Pesci, Madeline Kahn, Ali Sheedy, Molly Ringwald, and Alan Alda in Betsy's wedding. I know it's what? wild. From Touchstone Pictures, it was a dream come true. Jake and I are getting married. Fantastic. And a parent's nightmare. We can't pay for this. It started as a small wedding. Maybe just a few friends and family in the living room or something. That became a big wedding. We got all these people. Yeah, they've got people. We've got people. I know people who know people. That turned into... Wedding that ate New York. It kept escalating like the arms race. Betsy's wedding. I'm going to throw up all over the bridesmaids. Rated R. Wow. Rated R. Why? That's that's what I remember because I, I've said this on other podcasts. If you're down with your Chris Antista trivia, this is the first rated R movie I ever saw in theaters. And I was so excited. And then I get wow. in there and I'm like, what the fuck is all the fuss about? Why was I not allowed to see this? I don't ever yeah. want to see this again. <laughs> this movie is so benign. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... This movie is very strange. Like the cast is great. Mm-hmm. The cast doing is them. amazing. The, ca- to have Catherine O'Hara and Madeline Kahn in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. My God. And I gotta give so a shout good. out to Burt. I Get love me a time machine. I fucking love Burt Young. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then this movie is just all over the place. Like mm-hmm. it does not know what it wants to be. Alan Alda, I think, directed it. Right? Uh, it is it. it is my and final directorial effort. Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's the last one. It is truly just all over the place. It it just doesn't know what it wants to be, and it's confounding. <laughs> mm. But I enjoyed parts of it. Yeah, I mean it's it's always fun to watch. You know, something planning something big that gets out of hand and it goes wrong. It's like there's basically an entire genre of movies specifically about weddings that are yes. like this. You know, and I do love a wedding I, movie. I, yeah, I just feel like this one had nothing new to offer to that. It's just like, oh boy, people sure get crazy about weddings and things get out of hand and it's expensive. But yeah. then with an organized crime subplot. Sure. <laughs> I'm so, I am still frantically, it's obviously I didn't watch this movie this week. I'm still frantically searching, like, is there a description what made this rated R? I don't even remember being, I'd seen a rated R movie on television. Or uh, VHS, but like I was like wringing my hands. Oh my fuck! I'm gonna see so many tatas in this wedding movie, and nothing. I don't remember. I, I was like, "What the fuck? Why is this rated R?" 
Was there discussion? I don't remember. Is there language? Maybe, maybe language. language, but not much. I, like I always call it the Rushmore principle because like there's no reason Rushmore should be rated R. And then I remember, oh, there's a accusation about fingering a teacher, which is like, <laughs> like uh, it, which is it stands out as like okay, maybe that deserves an R rating. I think Spielberg could have argued it down. But I'm trying. Yeah, what what is rated R about this madcap romp during a wedding? Does anybody get <sighs> shot? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah, I'm so confused. Bad. Fucking baffled. It might have done better if it didn't have an R rating. It definitely would have done better. Destined to be a PG or PG-13. Totally. I mean, it's a father of the bride. It's basically father of the bride. Yeah. 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 We've been here. So I I forget how I saw it. Either a babysitter took me to it or my dad, like every dad his age, is a big fan of Alan Alda (laughs) and just like didn't care. Because uh, because Alan Alda was the shit on Mash, mm-hmm. and I can yep. I can I'm slowly learning that for myself. Mm. But Betsy's wedding, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> okay. not so not great uh, by yeah. these appraisals. No, because a couple of Alan Alda joints have, that we've talked about, like that looks weird enough for me to see. I would I would sort of be into that. And the episodes of Mash he wrote and directed are all great. So mm-hmm. I I can see I I'm I'm curious to check out his his film stuff. But unfortunately, the thing that had my heart that week was something I wasn't taken to see. Rated R nonsense. Gabrielle Damon, Tom Noonan, uh, Belinda Bauer, Dan O'Hurley, Nancy Allen as uh, Ann Lewis. No, not that one. And Peter Weller in RoboCop 2. This summer, there is only one, two. <laughs> RoboCop 2. What the hell is that? Twice the metal. That thing is a killer! Ten times the heat. Behave yourself! <laughs> Rated R. Starts Friday, June 22nd. Goodness, RoboCop Two! Oh, oh my God, wow. am I am I happy when I begged people to reappraise Gremlins Two? No, no, no. This is what a sequel you didn't ask for looks like. To me. <laughs> Th- like this is this is this is what a disappointing sequel is. Gremlins Two is not. Uh, you see, I I only partially agree with that because I had never seen RoboCop Two, so I came in fresh and I was expecting. I think I was expecting what I've heard RoboCop 3 is like. Yes. Where RoboCop is really 3 is stupid. objectively awful and studio tampering at its worst. This is just like, it's like your dad did his best to understand what made RoboCop great. And while technically accomplished, it just, it misses the point and the flavor of the it first film. some. And that's, well, that's that's part of my problem is like, there's, there's still a lot of satire here. And, and violence. And violence, but it also is very sporadic. And sometimes the movie seems to be taking itself seriously and sometimes not. And it is so overstuffed. Yes. That was the thing I was not expecting. There mm-hmm. are like six different plots going mm-hmm. on. It's really should have been two movies. They should have given each one a little bit more room to breathe. And then go because like Detroit uh, is basically being taken over by a corporation and Again. also, there's this. Uh, they do a focus group and say, "Oh, RoboCop's too violent. Can you make him friendly?" <laughs> and that—that's a whole plot. And then, oh, gosh, there's some others. The, then there's this bad guy who's created a, a drug that's also part of a cult. And also, there's this really evil twelve-year-old. <laughs> <And also, laughs> wow. Just and also and also, 
And also, and also the cops are striking. And also this lady is trying to build a new RoboCop 2 and she wants to make it like she's fucking out of her mind. It is. She's going to put the crazy psycho's brain into the new RoboCop. I'll give, and, the, I'll give this movie uh, this. You can, you can have a drinking game out of how many times in RoboCop 2 someone says the titular line. It feels bizarre. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> RoboCop 2 is shouted so many times in RoboCop 2. <laughs> It's yeah, ridiculous. it's not just a name. It's the the name of the next RoboCop that they mm-hmm. want to build. Oh, and also uh, he's having memories of his old life and stalking his ex, his late wife. And it's like, I kind of just want a movie on, on the medical ethics right. of taking a corpse so, and turning it into a robot. <laughs> my appraisal of this is obviously weighted by my love of the original 1987 RoboCop, which I've called repeatedly. Yes objectively the best film ever made it is not my favorite (laughs) film it is just the best film and you can impress anything you'd like on it it can be your republican dad's greatest fascist adventure ever where all the bad guys Mm -hmm. get it in the end it's wonderful it's an old western it is a biting satire of uh 80s capitalism and uh and privatization and 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 for me like my appraisal personally and robocop is a fucking tragedy. It is mm-hmm. It is about Alex Murphy, a man gunned down in the light of duty and forced to roam the earth as an immortal fucking cyber ghost, mm. forced to serve the system that did not protect him. In fact, deliberately hurt him. It, yeah. And taken away from his family. It is, but then this movie sort of like, ah, Robocop's a superhero, right? Like, n- no, not really. Like, there's... No. There, he's a, sometimes yes and sometimes no this is just the unevenness of the tone where yeah. sometimes it is got that satire and realizing no robocop is a tragic story he's a tragic hero mm-hmm. and then sometimes it's like yeah watch him kick that guy's ass yeah watch him solve crimes with a gun exclusively like every single time and, and right. this is like regardless of what we're experiencing right now as a culture in our attitudes towards police it just I think there's a lot of this that felt antithetical to the first film, which is it, it's a much it, yeah. my appraisal is maybe much meaner than even the, the original Paul Verhoeven. Dude, who directed this movie, Diana? This is fascinating. Irving Kirshner. I never knew that until researching this. Yeah, that dude the directed did Empire Strikes Back. This is his last film before retiring. Last film. Three films he made in a decade. Empire Strikes Back, Never Say Never Again and RoboCop 2. Follow-ups to major <laughs> franchises, all notable, and and I think he's just I don't I don't know I, I think he he did a great job with George Lucas's like help in guiding him into his universe, but there was no one really overseeing the RoboCop universe. This is a has a famously butchered script from uh, horrific <laughs> comic book author Frank Miller, noted crazy man who I believe wrote a comic book where Batman called Robin the F word. He's a very strange man now of Sin City fame. Uh, it was butchered by the studio, and I even Peter Weller has been. It's really interesting. I went looking for interviews of him because he he's critical of this movie, but he will always steer the subject away from RoboCop for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've I, in two interviews I saw him like, "How was your experience with RoboCop?" He's like, "Funny you should ask. I just got a PhD in Italian Renaissance painting studies." And like. <laughs> Great. Uh, he doesn't want to talk about it, but I think he even said, like, there was a morality missing in the third act instead of, like, you know, topple, toppling a corporate overlord hell-bent on privatizing and taking all the money from a depressed city like Detroit. And it's just a fight between monsters. Mm. And I think that that's what, like, leads it to be 
it's why you can't watch it as many times and look at it at different levels uh, like the original RoboCop. Yeah, it was very strange to watch it at this particular moment because it is, in the end, about uh, super police. A, a, a super policeman um, who uses, pretty much mets out the death penalty for every crime. <laughs> um, and, and so one of the, you know, 18 plots going around is the idea of like, well, maybe he shouldn't be so violent. People will like that. So they reprogram him to turn into Ward Cleaver. And mm-hmm. like, that's played as very satirical. Like he sees one of my favorite things though, an entire little league destroying an electronic store along with one of their dads is the getaway driver. I think it just comes in and just like, Hey kids, you shouldn't do that. Head rub. And a little kid calls him, shut up, you fucking asshole. I miss when kids were given lines of dialogue like this. Yeah. It's just like, Hey, sharing is caring kids it just you know <laughs> ignores how violent and insane they are i mean the level of child violence in this well the fact that his his nemesis for most of the movie is a 12 year old who's really mean so like <laughs> that and also I has that. A, a lot of guns i mean he tries to garrot uh <laughs> murphy's partner he is, I mean, yeah, he just comes out with an Uzi and goes fucking nuts, this mean little 12-year-old. It is, it still holds up as one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. But what, here's what, my appraisal, because I believe uh, uh, Verhoeven and his team were approached to do a sequel and, like, they didn't really like it. And Total Recall just came out, so that's what Verhoeven was doing instead, which has all the mm-hmm. RoboCop one flavor you want. See that mm-hmm. instead. And I think they said they had some weird idea of RoboCop being frozen for 25 years and waking up in an even more dystopian era. My my takeaway, what I really wanted to see, it is interesting that RoboCop is programmed uh, not to shoot kids. And I think that would have been incredibly interesting, like flash forward a few years later and all crime syndicates now involve children so they can get past RoboCop. (laughs) And then you get to some really conflicting areas, areas of violence. And I think Verhoeven would have loved that version. But I, Diane, I hate, as a superhero fan, my least favorite superhero arc, and it hopefully will never happen again, is the episode, the comic book, the issue, the second movie where the superhero loses his powers. And that's what happens to Robocop in this movie. And, it's, mm-hmm. and his powers aren't anything to brag about anymore anyway. So, like, I don't know. Like, I fucking... I loathe this. It, it seemed like it seemed mm. like a very corporate parody of the original. It even down to like little things like every piece of satire just is played for like one minute too long. Like Verhoeven was really quick with like his fake commercials and skewing of popular culture, like very fast. Mm. And this is like we're watching a guy play a violin through upside down for like two and a half minutes. Man, this is not that funny. <laughs> Cut the tape. Verhoeven was like, he's all over the place with like 20 second spots. Uh, uh, what's that? The, the, the car with a dinosaur. Oh, I fucking love this movie. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> that dude appears for like 15 seconds in the movie. And, yeah. and just little stuff like that that just misses the point. It's like a, it feels to me like a, with Irvin Kirshner, just kind of like a bored man checking boxes. And, mm. and, and, and the fact that it's satirical at all that has any satirical content is mm-hmm. what surprised me because I was really expecting this to turn into Rambo three. Yeah, you know, okay. it's like First Blood is like a movie; it's a real mm-hmm. movie, and then it just becomes you know a violence machine mm-hmm. as that series continues. It's it becomes self parody without knowing it's self parody, as mm-hmm. opposed to this. It's like it has a lot of the satire in it, 
but it also is just sort of it's just all over the place like i it doesn't i'm not really sure what its point of view is whereas the first robocop i i can see what its point of view is yeah it's just sort of scattershot and it's overstuffed there's just they they could have taken one or two of these subplots out and it would all play a lot better, I think. I think. You know, but I, th- I honestly, I did not regret watching it. Yeah, I've I, I just ne- like I've tr- I have never been able to watch it in one sitting because I get kind of bored. And 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 I'm saying RoboCop one is the best movie ever made, and, and I cannot get through true. this movie. And and it, it, like I don't know, I I don't dig it at all. I went and researched uh, Frank Miller, who wrote the script. Uh, along with oh, what's that guy's name? Uh, he wrote the Wild Bunch, so they hired like the two most violent writers, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, uh, they butchered his script. And I believe was it Dark Horse? They released a nine issue comic book of the original script, and even that was dull and uninteresting. I couldn't get through it. He, Frank Miller, he's no, he's famous for revitalizing Batman and Daredevil uh, during this period in in Sin City, if you know that, and. Uh, it's just that it's not a flavor I like anymore, but I I remember when it was popular, and and I really didn't like the comic series either. It's not something I'd recommend looking into. I got too bored of it, and that's the thing: being bored in a RoboCop movie. I just think he's he's not the character uh, the studio really wanted him to be, like a superhero type character. He's a, he's fucking Frankenstein. He's a tragic figure. Mm. I mean, I, the, the coolest thing I heard Peter Weller say while researching this, he's like. Can we please give a shout out to the makeup people who put all this shit on me? I was miserable. I I hope mm. I never do it again. But like I think com- that when I you see my face in the costume, do you know how hard that was to do? And it and it's, it happens a lot in this movie where he has his helmet off a lot more than the first. And he's like, yeah. I think if I calculate how, like six hours for me to get in my helmetless outfit, someone has to put my outfit on and stitch cybernetic things to my face and make it blend in it takes like six hours to do that i spent 27 full days in makeup to make two robocop movies wow and that it was like wow that is the coolest stat i have ever heard wow. yeah now that i honestly the effects i think are probably better in robocop 2 than in robocop 1 the mm. the stop motion effects for the robocop 2 that eventually they make are Jane. really good uh, I mean, even better than the Ed 209 in RoboCop, which I love so much. Mm-hmm. But the, it's like just janky enough that makes it more menacing. This giant monster machine coming after people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the the makeup effects are spectacular. And some of them seem to be there's some puppet stuff going on. There's like a fake head that can move around. I mean, there is some dumb stuff effects wise. Mm-hmm. The fact that like. I, it might be like it's so dumb of a subplot i i wonder it's like were you trying to make this satirical too where so the corporation wants to build a bigger better cheaper robocop so mm-hmm. they let this psychiatrist be in charge and she decides like okay first of all there's a really good montage of them I trying love- to make new robocops so good and a, a robot too self-aware to want to do this to want to so do this start killing everybody one robot just like pulls its own head off like during his unveiling and it's just like that is awesome yeah. that's how i imagine like half the shit behind the scenes of silicon valley right now <laughs> <laughs> right but so she says oh we need someone who's pliable so let me get this homicidal maniac who's a drug addict and i'll just give him drugs to keep him compliant it's like this is the single dumbest idea i've ever heard my whole goddamn life because you know who's really easy to control 
drug addicts <laughs> and cult leaders. And just yeah, wow. their their handling of drugs in general is like so fucking white boy suburban. No one uh, has ever done. Do you know what drugs do or why people take them? Because none no. of this makes any fucking sense at all. In fact, in fact uh, that's one of the slights I have against the film. The first RoboCop uh, really kind of conveys Detroit being a problem. And then some of the shots, this is shot almost, there's a great article I couldn't read about how this saved numerous areas of Houston. Cause this, this whole movie, I think 99% of it is shot in Houston. It's like one of the most famous huh. movies shot in Houston. Um, some of the shots are like, this is borderline idyllic. Like <laughs> there's, I, you do not, there, I, I do not see mayhem or dystopia in this at all. Everything seems pretty okay. Everyone's dressed well. Remember the first one, everyone's wearing like fingerless gloves and leather and the world sucks. <laughs> And, Fingerless gloves are the handwear of the dystopia. Yeah, yeah. We all, mm-hmm. we all know this. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You can't get a full glove, so you know, warm the well, rest of it over a barrel fire. For like you know, picking locks and stuff, <laughs> and then the rest of the glove needs to be on for question mark. It's I think because Irvin Kershner is a, such a classic director. There's certain like dolly shots and like lighting that like yeah, this this doesn't look like the city's a problem at all. <laughs> and then there's other parts where the city is so out of control it's like why is there even a business still open here yeah how and, could there be how could they get foot traffic they're not selling on the internet yet yes yeah, that the, electronic store has like a bunch of there's a bunch of drug drug dealers there's a bunch of passed out people a bunch of sex workers and se- everyone is robbing everyone else sex workers dude those were murderous <laughs> whores and it was awesome <laughs> It was awesome. <laughs> she stabbed a dude in the eye with her fucking heel before single white female. Sex workers, yes, yes, yep, that's right. Okay, fine. <laughs> I just like that shit is awesome. They should be they should be video game villains. I love them. They're my favorite. They should have had more screen time. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's yeah. it's it's really silly and like it just doesn't achieve maybe the unachievable heights of RoboCop 1. And it does get worse for RoboCop. But, I mean, yeah. we I get cynical when I hear people planning out sequels, but this was life when people didn't do that. And it shows. Like, if you had a roadmap for where you wanted RoboCop to go, maybe there'd be something more interesting to do, but people literally couldn't figure it out. And yeah. and, and wanted wanted a tentpole movie somehow rated R with lots of violence. Because, like, I just love that. That, like... Irvin Kershner wasn't, isn't like the first one's really violent. Okay, we'll make this violent too. And just kind of like this lazy violence that happens in Robocop 2. <laughs> that's never exciting or all that notable, but like, yeah, a lot of gunfire, a lot of, a lot of crushed heads, but Ugh, nothing yeah. close to a guy covered in toxic waste being hit by a car so he splatters <laughs> across a windshield. Like, <laughs> God, that scene is awesome. <laughs> Robocop 1 is so awesome. Disgusting. You should I my diagnosis yeah. is you should watch Robocop 1 twice instead of Robocop 2. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and another but, bit of trivia you know, I, I I feel like if you were like me and you thought that it was just going to turn into Rambo that mm-hmm. there's more satire. There are more ideas in it yeah. than I was expecting, but they don't end up paying off a lot of them. Yeah, and, and, and uh, another bit of little trivia for me. Like I said, it was Space Invaders. I went into a movie gallery and was able to claim the RoboCop 2 standee. So I have like a four-foot-five RoboCop. from. If you've seen this movie poster of him stepping through rubble like a successful Shockmaster. It's a reference for three people. Um, uh, I still have that from this. So I grew up with RoboCop in my room because of this film Aww. coming to video. 
and I, 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 st- I have a lot of affection for RoboCop. And if you want to see more affection for RoboCop, please Google RoboCop Japanese commercials because he has been used over there to sell a lot of silly things. <laughs> and it's, it's sort of the beginning of the end. It, even though, like, uh, I guess the Peter Weller didn't come back for the third or the television mm-hmm. series. Um, I believe he's in the remake somewhere. Uh, but he did voice him recently in the Mortal Kombat DLC. He he embodied oh. RoboCop again in 2020. Uh, yeah, 30 years after the fact. I didn't well. didn't realize the significance of that, but I, I do like Peter Weller a good deal. He's an interesting mm. guy. And I just want to yeah. celebrate. Tom Noonan is a guy I remember because I saw that wonderful <laughs> Charlie Kaufman uh, uh, stop-motion movie, Anomalisa, that has two mm-hmm. voice actors in it, one man, one woman. And... Tom Noonan is every other voice in that film. He is also the villain in this, the monster in this movie. Hmm, yep. uh, that's all I got to say. Oh, yeah. Goodness. And in Manhunter. That's where I was Man going Hunter. from. Yeah. He is so icky. And so creepy. Are we ready to move on to TV? Sure. TV, yeah. June 15th, uh, June 19th to the 25th. Uh, Again, there's not a lot... Like, television in this era, in the monoculture, is like three and a half channels, and they go dark over summer, except for the Seinfeld specials. Yes. <laughs> That's so why we're talking... It's not just that we love Seinfeld. Episode. There's like nothing else to talk about except yeah. new Seinfelds. Well, I really <laughs> love Seinfeld, so I'll talk about it every single time. But I won't be able to talk about it for a while, because this is the last episode of the five episode run, original mm-hmm. run of Seinfeld, the summer season that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did so well and it was so acclaimed that that is partially what got the full order for the next season mm-hmm. to happen in 1991 or to air in 1991. Um, so this is the stock tip. When I've gone back and rewatched this first season, it's just truly amazing to me how many of the stand-up parts from before the mm-hmm. show um, – like stick out to me first of all and then wow that was like the fifth episode where he does the joke about you know ordering the food and eating and then when you at the restaurant and then when you get the check everyone's like did we order this who ordered this like (laughs) like it was a mystery you know as far as what happened and that's like a, a family joke that we bring up all the time, my family, and I just can't believe that it's it's so solid. It comes from the first season of Seinfeld. Um, but yeah, this is the stock tip wherein uh, George gets a great stock tip and they invest and then the stock goes down. And um, the side story as well is that Jerry is dating the woman that he met in the stakeout, which is like one of the very few times yep. where a girlfriend <laughs> reoccurs. I, I saw that Larry David commented on it and like, well, we never saw him break up, so I guess yeah. we had to bring her back. But he, he clearly has like no interest in portraying a long-term relationship with right. Jerry. Right. Exactly. And I mean, like most sitcoms are a little bit like that. Um, so it was is definitely an anomaly to bring her back. And mm-hmm. then he convinces her to go to Vermont with him for a weekend away and it does not go well. But in true Seinfeld fashion – doesn't go disastrously. It's very <laughs> real. It's like when you take that first trip with someone you're dating and you think, all right, I hope we have enough to talk about. And then if you don't, <laughs> that is possibly the worst feeling in the world. Honestly, it's so bad when that happens. I, I believe this is also the first episode of Seinfeld ever where Jerry talks about Superman. Yes, that's correct. Oh. Yep, he and... George are having a conversation in the diner about whether or not 
Superman has a sense of humor. And which I, I, the only thing I'd recommend for that, because I, I love Jerry Seinfeld. He, he constantly brought, he was one of the first guys to bring up dorky comic issues yeah. about Superman. And he even, uh, I put them on our YouTube channel with, uh, fuck it, well, what's Putty's real name? Uh, high five. Uh, he, oh. he played Superman. Patrick Warburton. Patrick Warburton played Superman in a bunch of American Express commercials with Jerry mm-hmm. Seinfeld because he loved Superman that much. And to really put a great cap on it, yeah. the episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, Patton Oswalt is on it. And it's so great because the car Jerry brings to drive him around. And if you know the format of the show, he brings mm-hmm. a wacky car, I picks mean, up a comedian. it's pretty much the title. Yeah, it's a, it's a podcast. It's a really expensive podcast. Uh, <laughs> he picks up and then he's like, uh, Patton's like, oh, I heard you like Superman. And then what is preceded, what proceeds is, I think, the longest conversation Jerry Seinfeld did not expect to have about, Sein- or about Superman. And it just, you can see the look on his face like, ah. I don't like this as much as he does <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me giggle to no end this is what a new nerd looks like jerry you read yeah. 16 superman comic books and saw a cartoon Patton oswalt lives superman <laughs> so is this the first like with seinfeld mm-hmm. having it in this episode i feel like this has got to be one of the first depictions you know in modern pop culture of a grown man still talking about enjoying what would be traditionally considered a child's thing, which is comic books and it, comic book characters. Yeah, like, uh, he, uh, was there really any other character before this that made it I, okay for other people to start you know, talking I can, about that? I can only remember... They're around, but usually it's a very negative thing. Right. right. Or, or like, sure. I can think of, like, for instance, Joey Gladstone on a, on a Full House. Dave Coulier's character was obsessed with cartoons, and occasionally he'd make references and show shit. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and but Sein, I, I don't remember like Seinfeld. Jerry has a Superman statue eventually in his apartment right. for like throughout yep. the series. So it is. And again, we talked about Dick Tracy last week. Like Dick Tracy seemed to have the zeitgeist cornered more than comic book characters. Mm-hmm. I like during this previous era of te- pre nineteen ninety television, Dick Tracy references were fucking everywhere. Where Spider Man yep. references were not. Let alone Iron Man references. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm neither here nor there. Because I really, I didn't look into this at all. I saw it in the notes, and I knew somebody had looked into it. Is this the debut of the show, or is this just a, a, a one a one off pilot? Doctor Ruth's this is, house. This is a one off pilot, which normally we don't really talk about those. But I just thought it was so fun that they were like, "Yeah, let's get Doctor Ruth, Doctor Ruth Westheimer, a situation comedy." Oh my god! Oh and goodness! So apparently, the story is is that she plays a professor who opens up her house to five college students, which are truly you, just sounds like a pornography. Are film. you kidding? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I see like the the probably the, the the genesis of this is like looking at Golden Girls. Like people love horny old ladies. But, yeah, it, may, it mm-hmm. must be. I don't know. I mean, and she was very well known at this time. Yeah. And, yeah, and continues to be, and by all accounts, is all, is a great lady. Yeah. So it's just funny that we're like, yeah, let's give her a sitcom. So I, I pulled a little bit of the promo. Oh no! Oh god! Can you say aphrodisiac? Aphrodisiac. In Doctor Ruth's neighborhood, a kiss is not just a kiss. That's a kiss. Friday after Perfect Strangers, it's the new comedy Doctor Ruth's house. Puckish. What did she say? I'm feeling puckish. I think so. Wow. I'm feeling puppies. 
I, I, I don't d- know. I don't know. Yeah. Puckish. Oh. That's like, a, yeah. Yeah. That that's comes a real from word. like the puck. Yeah. Yeah. A real world uh, San Francisco. Just Midsummer kidding. Night <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know it's not that. Just kidding. Midsummer Night Tree. Uh, a Midsummer yeah. well, Night Tree. There. Uh, uh, I feel bad that we probably have to explain who Dr. Ruth Westheimer is. Uh, please, Diana. Um, because she is, well, she hasn't, uh, I mean, she had a, a documentary came out about her in the last couple of years, but uh, she is a, a sex advice personality mm-hmm. who is this tiny, tiny little German lady who likes to talk about when you're grabbing his penis mm-hmm. and he is really enjoying it. Um, also, she's a secret badass and that yeah. uh, she escaped the Nazis and she trained as a sniper with the Haganah, uh, which Isn't is the Israeli up? army. Isn't that she, fucked no, up? She, she did all that and then emerged to tell ladies, hey, play with the balls a little bit. And- <laughs> yeah, no, she's a fucking sniper before there was an Israel. She was she was shooting at fucks. Um, you think you real, think you think someone and on your Twitter is the first you. person to advocate eating ass? Dr. Ruth was there. She's telling yep. us to do this. Yep. Yep, and she's just so adorable. She's like everyone's little grandma, but she's going to tell you about, you know, prostate massage or whatever, and just everyone laughs. Oh, it's so funny that she's talking about this. I mean, it's it's kind of a perfect thing because by having your sex advice come from someone who I think a lot of society would prefer or do not see as a sexual being, makes it much Mm -hmm. easier to – Swallow. Oh, um, <laughs> because do you remember that older woman who was a Canadian? Yes, therapist. She has that great cl- Conan clip where she puts a dildo on her chin and talks. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was another person that, like, you know, it just—it's a little different coming from Dan Savage versus Doctor Ruth. You know, she was she a was, little bit easier to. Um, I, I think part of it. I don't think she would have been – I don't think Dr. Joyce Brothers, for instance, speaking of references our listeners won't get, would have mm-hmm. been allowed to talk as frankly as about sex because she looked like someone who could be sexualized. And mm-hmm. and f- because Dr. Ruth was this yeah. little woman in a, in a foreign accent talking about like really descriptive acts of sex on on broadcast television uh, with no cursing but like really frank, everyone got a kick out of it and like didn't mind it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty fun, and she's still with us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there is a good documentary out about her, and I don't know. I just think she's a great little pop culture, yeah, man. You know, tidbit, honestly, because she's so teeny. She's like four foot seven. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had but, that. I had that yeah, notion. But why? Mm-hmm. Why give her a sitcom where she just what I guess says sassy things to college students? I guess so. Well, the ho- I mean, the horniest people in the world, Diana. Yeah, you I might know. need advice I... <laughs> statistically, <laughs> uh, but but also I, just thinking about it, I made the Golden Girls comparison. Like the, you didn't get any horny vibes from Doctor Ruth, and no, it, it, no. I think it, it it would be interesting to contextualize what she's saying for her own character. I, I could see how that could be funny. I'm actually curious. What do you like, Doctor Ruth? <laughs> like I, we don't know that <laughs> she she just has advice for everybody because she's experienced on the subject. But uh, what would what would you like, and how would the, how would you as a character <laughs> try and get some? And yeah. you can see you're like jumping on an old man, and like, all right, I I kind of wish I was around to give this another shot. But man, uh, too, too little, too late. I wasn't there in 1990, mm. seeing Betsy's wedding with no boobies in it. Mm. Unbelievable. <laughs> 
like I, I sh- yes, don't shouldn't have to explain that to people, but yes, that was one of the only ways to see boobies in a, in a rated R movie. You, it, it, it was few and far between for a little ten year old like me. Uh, also, this week on television, uh, is it, this is significant. Jeff Goldblum and Kristen Scott Thomas in a TV movie. I figured they were both yeah. too good for this at this point. Uh, HBO, I think it's HBO. Oh, that makes more sense. Framed. Is this a story of someone? It's usually a biopic with them. Um, let's see here. Framed. Jeff Goldblum was a painter. Shouldn't I take my clothes off now? Not what I thought. <laughs> His love, the works of the masters. It's real. His job, forgery. Until he was framed. She's gone. Five million francs are gone. All right, this 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 is the sleaziest ah. Jeff Goldblum has ever looked. You see, <laughs> the title has layers. Of- <laughs> Like a matted frame. Oh my god! <laughs> you got it. You got it. Sorry, but he looks. He looks right here. Oh. He looks like a more Semitic Tommy Wiseau. It, this he is looks, not this is good, ridiculous. It's not a good look for him. <laughs> really long. As hair. someone who skews on the creepier side, in a way that I and many people find appealing, this is not his best look. Yeah, mm, long hair. The ponytail. Ooh. Yeah, you know what? It, the ponytail and the shoulder pads. You can't. Jeff Goldblum is perfectly charming as a gray-haired, skinny, besuited old man. Oh, ha, yeah. Oh, 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 did that happen to Spider-Man? Oh, we're all so concerned. Interesting words. <laughs> but like, yeah, you can't have shoulder pads and be a looming ponytail man. <laughs> yeah, no. Looming ponytail man is always a look to avoid. Mm. Honestly. <laughs> Looming ponytail man. I, uh, man, that was our biggest demo, Sarah. And now they're all pissed. <laughs> no. LPMs, LPMs. They just need to relook, rethink their look. You know, ponytail yeah. man. <laughs> um, and none of us have seen this. Um, the video games. We, ha- dude, it's in the barrel. We go deep in this one um, for June. Talking about Captain Skyhawk uh, has more interesting roots than you think. The Bonanza Brothers. <laughs> Sorry, it has a backstory. Uh, Alex yeah. Kidd in the Shinobi World, and one of my favorite NES games of all time, Chippendales Rescue Rangers, is out during this period of June. As well as, I'm telling you, this this month in particular, I dug into arcade games that came out during the month because they never have a solid release date, so they're hard to mm-hmm. like talk about. But I've been into arcade stuff lately, so I this new episode on Patreon.com slash LazerTime is really, really great. And there's one you haven't heard up right now for the previous month. And I cannot I cannot plug enough Video Game Apocalypse. Matt and uh, Michael do such an awesome job with that show. I am along for the ride. And uh, we, we recovered from our Black Lives Matter extravaganza uh, with <laughs> a little Dungeons and Dragons. And it was a real good time. And uh, music of 1990, June uh, 19th through the 25th, uh, Must Have Been Love by Roxette is still number one. We have new releases, No Depression by Uncle Tupelo. Uh, Dice, am I, Dicide? Deicide. 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 To kill God. No, not in 1990. That's That'll put you in two live crew category. Deicide self-titled debut and Reputation by Dusty Springfield. Are we going to close yeah. out with a Deicide song? You know, well, we never play really hard metal on this show. <laughs> and the second I saw that Deicide had a song called Dead by Dawn that is about Evil Dead, 
I figured, yeah, wow, we're going right. to do that. Uh, I just got to make sure the levels are low enough so I don't, like, destroy everyone's hearing. Okay. <laughs> well, take us out, Deicide, which is not about killing Diana. Thank God. Coming into 2000, June 19th to the 25th with Beat With You by Enrique Iglesias. Uh, I feel like this song still gets radio play. I feel like I've gotten my hair cut recently and heard it. Uh, <laughs> be with you. I want to be with you. This song is really brings me back to high school, man. Mm-hmm. It's just, it was everywhere. You live far beyond the Latin craze. Good for you, Enrique. Um, and let's talk about some new releases out this week. Pop Trash by Duran Duran. Man, is this the one with their White Lines cover on it? No, I think that was earlier. Uh, Anarchy by Busta Rhymes. Awesome. The uh, Style by The White Stripes. Hold It Down by Madball. Invincible Summer by Katie Lang. One Long Year by Todd Rundgren. Uh, one Voice by Billy Gillum. And Quality Control by Jurassic 5. White Pony by Deftones. And Sound of Water by Saint Anthony. Did I say that right? Uh, this is wow again this is a massive grab bag holy shit a lot of a lot of <laughs> new know. and old mesh together that is yeah the, it's crazy to think about duran duran and katie lang releasing an album up against jurassic five and the deftones <laughs> and todd rundgren what didn't you have that in here as one of our closers or openers oh we're gonna have to close out with the song i oh. discovered off of one long year which <laughs> i enjoyed so much Ooh. You know okay. what? This is Diana, the second podcast I've done with Diana in that has had a Todd Rudwin reference in it. So um, I think we're doing something right. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a little bit of news to let you know that it is 2000, the middle of 2000. I found a story about home video. So before mm-hmm. there were streaming kids, blah 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 blah. But uh, there are DVDs that, like are look, being looked at to create a new market for home movies because putting a movie out on VHS was a massive expense. You might get an older movie or even a newer movie in your VHS rental store, but they were like eighty to one hundred and twenty dollars, and that's why they had to charge you three bucks per two days for two days to rent them. And Disney could charge twenty dollars for a mass market thing. Imaging DVD made home video so much cheaper. One disc, two plastic sheets covering the media instead of like fifty yards of tape and moving mechanisms. <laughs> Uh, seriously, it was a big deal. I was an early adopter as of last year, but uh, this statistic, with 10% of U.S. households owning a DVD player right now, Ghostbusters came out uh, on DVD and sold 400,000 copies. Do the math. If We're lucky if that was that came out for $20 in 2000. Ghostbusters mm-hmm. basically made like its opening month back with a new <laughs> format without having to do anything. And meanwhile, The Green Mile is released on VHS and DVD, and it earns uh, $17 million in its first week. So far, a record for a first week of a video of a movie that had been in theaters. So 
it's I, I just put that in there for the slow prolonged death of movie theaters. Uh, movie companies <laughs> have been hesitant to tell us. They brag about their box office, but they never tell you how much they make on video and through licensing to cable and let alone streaming services. But that now we kind of know comprises uh, the bulk of a movie's extended income. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. here is your proof. You're welcome. 2000, June 19th uh, through the 25th. Hamlet is out. Hamlet is out. Oh, this is the modern Hamlet, though. Yeah, the modern Hamlet Mm -hmm. with uh, Ethan Hawke, Kyle MacLachlan, Bill Murray's in there, uh, Julia Stiles is in there. Right. Um, Yeah, it's modern day. It takes place in a corporation, but it's still the same language. Mm -hmm. It is... Every, I, I could not find a lot of ads, and every ad is so aggressively year 2000, like <laughs> all the fucking Matrix or something. I just wanted to punch myself in the face. Mm. So I'm not going to make you do that. The movie itself, eh, it's okay. Like some people, they can't relate to Shakespeare. They need it like in modern dress, and then they can understand it better. They can relate to the characters because they recognize the actors. Whatever, it's fine. Kyle McLaughlin, I think, is probably the best thing that comes out of it. He's actually pretty good, Claudius. Oh. As a corporate guy mm-hmm. thing instead of a king. It's, but isn't it so weird as we're discussing our own uh, new American hierarchies that uh, medieval king dramas translate to corporate structures so easily? Can it use succession? Yes. It's the only way that any kind of that shit makes sense. If I murder this person, I can have their shit. It's still the yeah. only thing that works like that. Yeah. Mo- mobs and corporations, and they're the same yeah. thing. Yeah. It's very, very strange. And I, I, I can just imagine how irritating the marketing is, because if they marketed anything like William Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet from, uh, what's his name? Man, uh, that movie is wonderfully it's, obnoxious. It's sort of, sort of like that. Mm-hmm. Although... One thing that is so awful in this movie that mm-hmm. I actually love it is the to be or not to be soliloquy mm-hmm. is given while Ethan Hunt, uh, Ethan Hunt, Ethan Hawke is wearing a really <laughs> stupid hat in a blockbuster. <laughs> oh my God. That's oh my right. God. Now, as someone who felt unbearable ennui <laughs> every time I went into a blockbuster, <laughs> I actually kind of can relate that I start thinking about whether or not uh, I should kill myself. Please. Please. <laughs> If I could finally sleep and be away from this nightmare of fucking blockbuster. Please tell me he's like holding a VHS copy of like the Screaming Skull or something else. That's appropriate. <laughs> he's so great. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Please, uh, I have to find that scene now. Um, oh, that scene is online. If okay, you, you can fantastic. You Hamlet 2000, to be or not to be. Unfortunately, when you Google Hamlet 2000, you also get a lot of clips for Hamlet 2, which I like a lot better. It's really good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really because good. Rock Me Sexy Jesus is in it. But, huh, okay. So speaking of timely ads, like I said, the ads for Hamlet were so 2000, oh, it, it was gross. Mm-hmm. Our next movie has an ad that is a version of an ad we played a couple months ago mm-hmm. for a very popular movie. And when I saw this, it just all took, it all came back. It's all coming back to me now. And I loved it so much. Yeah. So why don't we we'll, re- we'll read you the cast after this because we don't want you. Yeah. Sorry. Not try to guess what it is. The egg who became a chicken. We've got to get out of here. The chicken. It's a 
time machine. Who became a leader. This is our way out of here. The leader. We'll either die free chickens or die trying. Who hatched a plan. We're all going to fly over that fence. On June 23rd, a chicken will rise. Attack! Or they're all chicken pies. I don't want to be a pie. Chicken Run, rated G. <laughs> I love that. All right, so oh. what ad was that? Chicken Run, baby. Chicken well, Run. But is... imitating. Oh, is it Gladiator? It was Gladiator. Yeah. So the general who became a slave. The slave oh. who became ah. a gladiator. The gladiator who became a chicken. <laughs> um, and I thought that was adorable. Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing that ad at the time. And I thought it was great. I am one of the biggest Ardman, what is it, Nick Park, Peter Lord fans. Mm -hmm. I there were few things in my life that were better than Wallace and Gromit shorts, man. They are oh. just instant, instant happiness. And because they're like Christmas specials, but generally don't have a holiday theme, you can just pop those on and feel good for 20 oh, fucking mm -hmm. minutes. And this it's is instant warm fuzzies. They're yeah, so dude. good. And, and yep. if you grew up like me watching Nickelodeon and they'd have the, the creature comforts specials where the animals, what do they do? They interviewed... No, they interview real yeah, people. Yeah, they interviewed people. Uh, I think like we lived in like a council estate, like a housing project, and then they made little claymation zoo animals. Zoo animals were. giving yeah. their dialogue out. So it's like this really, it's this real dialogue, like with like a lion sitting in a tree. Like you need the space. I just missed all the space I used to have. <laughs> yeah. And like it, it's that shit was. Yeah. We all. Even Americans sort of grew up on Ardman animation, but it wasn't until they signed a deal with DreamWorks that they were yep. able to make their first movie. And I was really happy to see that Creature Comforts came up in, in the backstory mm -hmm. for this and that Jeffrey Katzenberg had been at Disney, I think. But he said, like, I saw Creature Comforts and I was like, I am working with these people. I will throw any money at them. I don't oh. care. And after that, you got, you know, the Wallace and Gromit things like A Grand Day Out and The Close Shave and Wrong Trousers and... The most recent of those we, was from 1995. So five years, which is pretty much how long they worked on this movie. Yeah. Wow. It's it, like, so cute. Mm -hmm. It's so yeah. good. And it's, it's, it's so cute, but also, like, I think even kids, it's why kids like stop motion animation because you can, when you take yourself out of the story, you can see the physical undertaking. Kids understand mm -hmm. how this mm -hmm. works. I mean, I mm -hmm. did when I was a little kid. I was obsessed with all sorts of animation, but making my own claymation. And well, it's a combination between knowing what it is and knowing all the work that goes into it mm -hmm. and then just thinking, how did they do that? I mean, yeah. I think it's less knowing how it works and more just the wonder and awe of how how these this was created it's Why? just wild these, there's these, like one yeah. scene where the farmer puts pours chicken feed into the trough and it's sh shot from like you're at the bottom of the trough looking up as the feed like falls on top of your face basically and i was thinking like how how is that <laughs> how do they do that i don't i don't get it yeah, and I loved it. Yeah, and I love watching. It's like one of those things you might not like a behind-the-scenes special feature on a hand-drawn cartoon, but I who doesn't love watching how they made Kubo and the oh. Two Strings and and Chicken Run? It, it's absolutely fascinating. My favorite thing about it, and I I I, I picked them up and I used to pick them up in these weird toy liquidation sales. You ever buy like an action figure of a cartoon, like? Not to single out Family Guy, but The Simpsons. When you buy a Family Guy action figure, like this was never meant to be seen at this angle. 
<laughs> when you buy a, an Ardman figure, I have a some fast food run of Chicken Run figures and a couple of Wallace and Gromit stuff from the the Were Rabbit. Uh, mm-hmm. They look exactly like the, what how they do in the film. I love it. <laughs> I love it so yeah. much because they are three D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a a hundred something animators working on this and it would take them one week to make one minute of film. Wow. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. And wow. Everything is so expressive. Mm-hmm. I'd like, I've rewatched this for the first time in at least 10 years and just seeing how they could just make their little eyebrow move the tiniest bit mm-hmm. and change the expression from, you know, like interest to disbelief to questioning to happiness. And it's like it's the tiniest little thing they really really worked hard and also of course as a film nerd it's the great escape yeah. right kids. yeah they were honest about it too uh, oh yeah. there's they are right up front about it they they load all a ton of references right up front where you know one of their one of the plans you know because it's all about these little chickens and they're just <laughs> trying to escape this farm because uh-huh. they don't like the conditions and you know they run through a bunch of different uh plans to get out and one of them is just the plan from the great escape where she you know goes down into a tunnel and there's like a little like a skateboard and they pull her along and she tunnels out with a spoon. <laughs> and uh other thing though that I found really interesting is it's distinctly British. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd think that with DreamWorks, you know, picking this up and really wanting to work with them and DreamWorks is still pretty new and they're still building up their animation stuff. You'd think they would have Americanized it or made it just less British. But it is so British. I love that about it, too. Like, it, it's really because it trusts the audience to get it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and that is something that I really appreciate. Like, we don't have to explain what all these, like, little reference, references are, these words that maybe Americans don't use for this or that. Like, mm-hmm. you guys will figure it out. And <laughs> Even it the trailer treats- for, for Wallace and Gromit, he's like, it's a case of arson. What? Yeah, someone arson around, and like, <laughs> is that in a G-rated movie? Like, that's a curse word and a really, really distinct Britishism. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and the the lead actress, I don't know her. Oh, you do actually. Julia Sawalha mm-hmm. is uh, Safi from Abfab. Right. That's okay. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. And boy, I hate saying this, but Mel Gibson's in this movie, yeah. and he is a wonderful, wonderful. voice actor. Yep. I, he is I've, great in this. I've said that about every Mel Gibson thing we talked about. Like, I hate how charming this dude is because yeah, of what we know about him now. Perfect. Yeah. He's perfect in this. And also we got, you know, like Jane Horrocks, who I've talked about when we talked about Little Voice. She's mm-hmm. also on Abfab's Bubbles. Mm-hmm. And what, Miranda Richardson's the bad guy. And it's just, oh, my God. Oh, so it she, is she's the daughter on Abfab. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The daughter on Abfab. I was thinking Bubbles at first. Truly mm-hmm. delightful mm-hmm. and yeah. a very high recommend. For real. Like, yeah. and, and I don't know what happened with DreamWorks' relationship with them. Was it a pirate movie that they uh, can't yeah. remember? But like, I think Flushed Away underperformed so much. Flushed they, Away was CG, their up. first CG movie. Yeah. And, but and, but uh, yeah, like this and, and Wallace and Gromit, like, it really made. It was. It's why the Oscars had a best animated movie feature because, like, yeah, there was like contention for a little while there. It wasn't just like, well, the Pixar movie's the best one around. Like, oh, the Disney movie's pretty good. DreamWorks is coming up with CG, and there might be an Ardman movie every other year. Like, yeah, this is an interesting category for the Oscars. It's not so much anymore because we don't yeah, get right. one of these every year. 
But man, yeah. ch- chicken. Well, it's like like you said last week. It's like, well, Titan A is really pretty. Mm-hmm. Too bad it's going to lose every fucking award it might possibly earn. Yeah. Because it's up against Chicken Run, and Chicken Run is just far superior. So. Yeah. And what a yeah. what a stunning debut. They didn't lean on Wallace and Gromit out of the gate. They they created yeah. an original IP. Trusted people to get it. I really really like this studio and all uh-huh. of their output, even flushed away. Um, mm. I really really like it. It is very distinctly British. But I, I was reading somewhere about like. Americans don't really understand that Wallace and Gromit ended up becoming recognized the world over for mm. basically how it was distributed. Like it was, they were they were a couple of the two uh, most recognized characters in the world. That that short made a ton of money throughout the world, and mm-hmm. so it wasn't just like supporting the Ardman Studio because like ah we we trust them. Like no, dude, they were generating global revenue. The likes of which mm-hmm. a lot of animation companies hadn't seen. And it, it, it sucks to, like, I haven't followed up on a lot of their output. I, didn't they have a caveman movie recently that I just totally ignored? Yeah. Um, Early Man, I didn't see. Mm-hmm. I've seen, uh, well, I've seen Wallace and Gromit Curse of the War, Where Out. Unbelievably which is good. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I saw the Show and the Sheep movie, which is mm-hmm. more for littler kids yeah. than a lot of their other stuff, which is clearly also for, uh, might even primarily be for adults. But there's stuff for kids in there. I never saw the Pirates one. But Sean the Sheep, I love Sean the Sheep so much. <laughs> He's so great. And so much of what I love about like Sean the Sheep or Wallace and Gromit is how much of it is silent comedy. Mm-hmm. And they're just doing it so subtly and yeah, so man. well. I have uh, Actually, I'm looking at my Feathers McGraw uh, toy right now. Awesome. The, uh, <laughs> the chicken, quote unquote, from the wrong trousers. I love him. Really, just just a penguin with a rubber glove on his head. <laughs> back going back to chickens with Chicken Run. I mean, um, th- that might be my drunken entertainment after fourteen hours of podcasting today. I will, yeah, disappear in some some and yeah, not to. Hi- but I also cannot look at this type of animation without thinking about Parks Jerry and Rec. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say, because of everyone's mouths, uh, every character looks like Jerry Blank. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah, they all have That's these true. big, big <laughs> overbites. Yeah. No, I was thinking of the when Ben loses his job in um, Parks and Rec and then does a, like, works so hard on a, like, a stop motion thing and it's three seconds. Like, yeah. Yeah, one of the first things I built <laughs> built myself was a, a a rig to do stop motion animation in my room when I was like like eight years old, and then my dad told yeah. me like I didn't say you could use my camera. I'm like, well, this is fucked. Uh, I I made I made approximately two and a half seconds of animation, but I, I yeah, I, I little mm. kid me labored in claymation classes um, through some unique programs educationally. I fucking love this art form. Uh, I, I, I especially love, uh, what Leica has done lately, but oh, like, yeah, there's a comedy that Arden nails way harder. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I really would like to see more of their stuff. I'm I, yep. watching just a little bit of this movie, like just reignited a love for this shit, man. Uh, mm. yeah. Chick- so chicken run two was announced two years ago, mm-hmm. Oh, which means we'll see it what? probably 10 years from now. Maybe. <laughs> Well, they're on like minute three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, like I said, I mean, they worked on this for ooh, somewhere like six, seven years. I mean, starting with, obviously, you really need your script nailed to the fucking ground yeah. before mm-hmm. you animate something like this. Because what if you decided, ah, we don't like that scene anymore? Yeah. I mean, at right. like the level of detail, like uh, the main character, Ginger, has a little knit hat. 
that's actually knit mm-hmm. with very like toothpicks as knitting needles. They knit her a little hat out of clay. Everything oh, like that, that. That's not a pattern. They fucking made that. And oh. they care. You can feel the caring. And my God, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I laugh so hard. It is so funny. Yeah, go, oh. That was the other interesting thing was a bunch of the ads I mm. found were really highlighting. It's a comedy. Adults will like it too. Oh, please come see our movie. Uh, we swear. Uh-huh. Because uh, critics went nuts for this. It's something like a 98 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, one of the highest rated yeah. movies of the year on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think yep. doing it a disservice, like it is a dark movie with bleak colors, even though it's a peppy mm. movie the entire time. It's just like. <laughs> It chooses a style, and I I feel it was risky as hell, and uh, I I'm just glad it mm-hmm. paid off somewhat. Like I it it uh, it wasn't number one this week, um, no. at the box office, but like I think Chicken Run's legacy is solid, and, and oh, yeah. we don't need to defend yeah. defend it that hard because most everybody has seen it. And if you haven't, dude, you'll love it. You will. Yeah, love I don't it. know. I feel like it was sort of forgotten. Like it had a reputation for not doing well, even though it made its money back and then some. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not a failure. It made more money than Curse of the Were Rabbit, which actually really surprises me. I really? think it might be the highest grossing stop animation movie of all time. Wow. Uh, you might have to adjust inflation. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's a little well, you know, you're forgetting well. Diana. Like, uh, just because I am a big dork and I, I watch Cartoon Network, like they would air this pretty significantly it'd run on hbo and mm-hmm. kids saw mm-hmm. this like for the next yep. 20 years and, and, and oh, yeah. they've seen it and yeah it's wonderful but if you haven't if you haven't seen chicken run in a while or you just thought ah kids movie mm-hmm. dude do yourself a favor it's a great movie for right now it's excellent it's, it is just charming it really as hell. yeah i have to agree um i will not say the same about our next film me neither Ooh. um i never saw it it I, felt a little too much for me i have seen it so many times and it this is one of the things we have not as a society talked about uh that will not hold up in the years to come just this broad comedic portrayal of every kind of mental illness that Uh that, (laughs) uh, richard jenkins robert foster um chris cooper renee zellweger uh and jim carrey and me myself and irene this summer, Jim Carrey is Good Cop. Boy, you can't beat me off the road! Bad Cop. What are you staring at? What is your problem? It's between me and the kid. Same Cop. I stay out of his business, he stays out of mine. I see total union and anonymity. Me, myself, and Irene. Sound good, candy pants. Rated R. <laughs> wow, that lit song. Uh, it's well, yeah. This is our second week in a row with a lit song synonymous with a film. Thank you, mm-hmm. Titan AE. Uh, this is here's my bit of Betsy's wedding esque Chris related trivia. We were talking the other day about what distinct because I'm I turned forty recently and what distinguishes my life as an early adult to a current adult. And I think I specifically mentioned my girlfriend's roommate's boyfriend loved this movie and watched it every day. And therefore, so did I. (laughs) I've watched this movie dozens of times because of fucking Clay. Thanks, Clay. Uh, Clay. And and I bought the movie and I'm like, I never expected anybody to get this much joy. As much joy as he... Every line he knew, he quoted it all day around the kitchen. It's like... Wow, I have not had to suffer 
another somebody else's boyfriend's horseshit in like <laughs> in at least 10 years. Oh. This feels great. It's so <laughs> funny when you know people have these movies that they watch over and over and over again, mm-hmm. especially around this time period. I mean, I don't know that people really do that anymore, but I know that like when I was in high school, I watched The Big Chill almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird. When I I was 20, I watched The the Breakfast Club once every day in a week and then twice in one day that week. Um, Yeah. It was was weird. It was a weird time, people. Sorry. Yeah. But, like, I don't – I mean, I guess the question could be asked, why did I latch on to The Big Chill? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Could it be Jeff Goldblum? We don't know. But why did this guy latch on me, myself, and Irene? His favorite moment. His favorite moment was when his wife gave birth – to three black uh, black children, one of which is Anthony was Anthony Anderson uh, before mm. I knew his name, uh, and he just said, "Wow!" And he just did that all of the time. He thought that was the funniest thing that ever happened. Uh, Jim Carrey's reaction to black triplets, which he's then left to raise, which is kind of like inarguably, I love those characters consulting their dad <laughs> three giant black guys like with their wiener white dad like dad you gotta tighten it up <laughs> like jim perry is a can be a divisive character i think he's a very interesting man and a very interesting actor i love him there are fewer there there are a very obvious red flag for me when i'm talking to someone is if they quote any jim carrey jim carrey's characters in their movies at all oh god it would oh, be god. That would be such an immediate turnoff for me as far as the personality goes that I would have to just excuse yeah. myself from the conversation. See, all righty then, Sarah. I think yeah, enough. pretty much. <laughs> this, this is tuna. like everything that I can't stand <laughs> put yeah. together. Like it, gross out humor, I can put up with to a point. It depends on whether it is kind of, I don't know, surrounded by other kinds of humor where it's not just trying to make me sick. Like the mm-hmm. the previous movie directed by the Farrellys, written and directed by the Farrellys, was there something about Mary, Beautiful. which we have all raved about. There's plenty of gross out humor in that, <laughs> this, and this it is this is their... me because it feels like it's in context somehow. Yeah, and this is their grand reunion with Jim Carrey. Like this, this had right. a can't fail aura around it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so the idea is that Jim Carrey is a really sweet, nice guy cop who has a split personality disorder, and yeah, then sometimes he's... turns into a very mean. He has Angry, spent his whole, whole car, life being which, yeah. has spent his whole life being nice, and eventually they tear his meanness, his suppressed meanness tears into. It's a really, really shitty explanation of a lot of different kinds of mental illness. Yeah, and, 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 uh, right. And so sometimes he walks around being over the top mean, and sometimes he walks around being over the top nice. And I, I hate Jim Carrey going over the top. I just do. I never have liked it from Dumb and Dumber back to Living Color. When he goes broad, I go home. I oh, don't. Stop it. You love Dumb and Dumber. It. You love Ace Ventura 1. No. I don't care about its no. problematic ending. I don't. You love that shit. You, no. You love I it. I really don't. If I want a cartoon, I'll watch a cartoon, man. Oh, well, I love it. So there. Well, you love it. Mm-hmm. Fine. That's just not my style of comedy. I call it this period work. Jim Carrey's smoking section. No, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Uh, I appreciate yeah. that. Mm-hmm. This just, yeah, is there's a lot of gross jokes. There's a lot. It, they're mostly really stupid. And yeah, I mean, the idea of a cop walking around being a giant dick to people is ah, <laughs> timeless. Not great timing. <laughs> mm, not you know what? Great. This has a joke that I still don't get. Like a, a dirty mm-hmm. joke, and I remember it, it was. 
and it's you know I don't I don't know if there's like rapey vibes in the movie necessarily, but there he's a Jim Carrey is hanging out with Renee Zellweger playing multiple characters technically, and then mm-hmm. one of the characters tricks her into sleeping with him, and he wakes up with no, and he goes to take a pee, and you're just seeing him from the back, and he takes a piss, and it flies out the top right side of his body and he grabs a picture to like aim his piss back in the toilet and he's like why am i peeing like i've been up having sex all night what happened and uh i was like i don't i have never had whatever this problem is i don't know what this means like like what are you what is this (laughs) Uh, yeah i don't get that either i don't either this could end up being the most disgusting frank episode we've ever done uh, and not even in the Dr. Ruth section, because I, I, I remember guys like, oh, I totally get that. Like, I don't ask. I don't understand <laughs> what that joke means at all. Like, what happens when you're up late having sex all night? You're choked with dry cum and you pee over your shoulder? That's never happened to me. What the fuck? Uh, oh, that uh, just made me feel. No, but that, that, that is it's gross. I remember people Ugh. talking about it. Like, finally, someone showed it on screen. I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. And I might have had sex before. I'm not confirming anything just like the fucking lsd yeah thing. i understand peeing with a boner thing that sucks yeah, yeah. it hurts i get that it's, okay I, I don't he does say it doesn't I seem can't, to be that i can't stop it stings <laughs> no way that was dumb and dumber mm. <laughs> mm. Huh. yeah i don't know it. i don't like that that but i think that was this come hair it, it was this movie's come like, hair gel big- joke do you think hmm. he took a Viagra? I don't know. I don't he still had get a boner? it. I don't get it. I'm happy. Please comment on lasertimepodcast.com. <laughs> Help us. I want to know what happens when you're up all night fucking and, and pee under the wall. It, it's this is like <laughs> the opposite of like Chicken Run when we were talking about, well, in many ways, but when we were talking about how they just trust you to get like certain jokes and stuff. In this, in this situation, too much trust. We don't mm. get the joke. It does have one of my favorite transitions, actually. Mm. It shows a dog kneeling to shit and then just does a quick cut to Robert Foster filling up an ice cream cone with chocolate ice cream. Oh, <laughs> it's so fucking gross. <laughs> and yet PG as hell. But I like this is one of Jim Carrey's lesser movies. This is one of the Fairly's mm. lesser movies. I will not accept anything else but that. Uh, I will argue that I've seen this too many times to not mm. be an expert on it. I never want to watch this movie again. And it's just like, it, its premise is so dumb and mildly offensive uh, yes. to excuse anything that happens on screen. It is, it, I'm only happy about this movie for Robert Foster getting a good payday because it was like his first big yeah. movie after Jackie Brown. And, and <laughs> I love that man. Yeah. I just want to see Chris Cooper, Robert Foster, and, and Richard Jenkins like mm-hmm. hanging sure. out, getting yeah. a cup of coffee. I mean, I mean the, the Fairley Brothers. You can say what you want about them, but like they, I love the way they cast things. Like not funny mm. people into funny roles, and uh, uh-huh. and and I think to atone for the way they've portrayed people with disabilities, they almost exclusively cast people with disabilities in roles where they get to have fun uh, and, mm. and and not at their expense. After this, it's true. It, it, it's true. Like I, I do think they're kind people at heart. Which all leads us to the green book, but but sure. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, man, I did not love this, and uh, yeah, I, I don't want to shit on it too much. I don't know. Help me out, guys. We done? Yeah, <laughs> okay. no, I think we're done. That's probably the most anyone's talked about this movie. Yeah, and... right. It's it's odd for a movie that was number one at the summer so box long. office in two thousand. Like, yeah, no one talks about this movie. I feel like I do often see it though, like at Target on the mm-hmm. like five dollar rack. Of DVDs, I feel like it's always sitting there. 
So someone's into it, I guess. I don't know. There's there's better for whatever it is that you like in this movie. There are better ones out there. There's better Fairly Brothers. There's better gross out comedies. There's better Jim Carrey films. There's better everything. Yeah. Maybe even better multiple personality movies out there. I don't know. Mm. Uh, Why not? Uh, but it, moving to television, again, real light. It's a summer in a smaller world. No streaming yet. Uh, so the biggest game in town is the league game. The NBA Finals, the L.A. Lakers beat the Indiana Pacers. And, man, it's awesome to see L.A. triumph again over Indiana. Like, you know, you know mm-hmm. I don't know anything about sports. It's just like I fucking... Two teams, I, <laughs> two teams whose mascots or whatever, I don't even get what it is. What's a Laker? What's a Pacer? I don't know what either of those things are. Well, I believe the Lakers are from when they were in the Great Lakes region before Los Angeles bought the team, and now the name okay. no so, longer makes Minnesota, sense. Minnesota, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the but Indi- still, what is a Laker? The Indiana Pacers, uh, they're the leading producers of pacemakers. No, I have no idea. But, uh, Pace Picante? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there you go. And I there just wanted go. to rattle this off. This is a, 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 a this could be apocryphal trivia, but that's why I'm putting it to you guys. Mm-hmm. On the 17th uh, in 2000 on TV, Comedy Central debuts Strip Mall, a show I did not like at all with a bunch of people I vaguely recognized. Julie Brown, mm-hmm. remember her? Uh, uh-huh. Remember uh, downtown or uptown? Downtown. <laughs> Wait, there was the white one. <laughs> uptown. Okay, that's well, uptown. Well, there's downtown Julie Brown, and there was Julie Brown, so we can call her uptown Julie Brown. Okay, so Earth Girls are easy, Julie Brown. And, okay, there you go. And there's there was the mom from Margaret Cho's sitcom, and and uh, okay. and Victoria Jackson, you know who everybody loves now, and in mm-hmm. uh, the weird, weird trajectory of Chris Wilde, the Giorno spokesman, who would eventually go on to have his own terrible talk show on Comedy Central. Uh, Chris mm. Wilde, you would know him if you saw him, but it debuts on Comedy Central, and I. So this is why I wanted to put it out there to the public. Uh, uh, this starts when the last episode of Strangers with Candy has not aired yet, but it is over. They have filmed it; it's in the can. And the end of Strangers with Candy has uh, the school Flat Point High. Flat, it's, again, it's a great name, Flat Point High, <laughs> uh, uh, being bulldozed to make a strip mall. And the uh-huh. the rumor was that it the the trivia became that that Strangers with Candy was canceled to make this new show Strip Mall, which lasted two seasons and no one gives a fuck about, but that it's referenced in the show as well. I don't know if that's true. I would love yeah. to hear anybody with more information on that. But that that's the only reason I brought it up because Strangers when Strangers with Candy ends, this sort of the production of this begins mm. and okay. Strip Mall. And I remember oh. the theme song very well. Oh, I have one other thing I wanted to throw out about Chicken Run. Obviously, I mean, it it is definitely the most influenced by The Great Escape. Mm -hmm. But there is a nice little joke that they're in Hut 17, which is a reference to Stalag 17, which is another POW movie. Mm -hmm. And I only learned, like, last week that, like, the main guy who's in charge and, like, keeping everyone in line in Stalag 17 is Leonard from Community. (laughs) What? I had no idea. I remember hearing that Richard Erdman was like an actor. He'd been an actor a long time. Leonard from Community. And then I looked at him like, oh, he's Hoffy Hoffman? It's Dalek 17, who's like the guy who's trying to keep everyone together and keep it organized. He's like a major fucking character. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, it's Leonard. Uh, Shut up, Leonard. 
Oh, you just want to yeah. say it so bad. <laughs> Shut up, Leonard. I know about your prescription socks. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, thank yeah. you for that, Diana. Because now, I just want to watch Dalek Seventeen again. And, which... uh, Make a good. That's a good double feature with Chicken Run. Yeah, bring yeah, the kids in together. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's because Dalek Seventeen is largely a comedy okay. with some serious bits. So yeah, it works. Um, and video games this week again. We'll talk way more about the video games on uh, Patreon.com/slash Laser Time with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys. If I were to say Omicron the Nomad Soul to either of you, do you have any reaction? No. So this no. is from. Quantic Dream? Is that what they're called? The people who make Heavy Rain and uh, a bunch of the weirdo, Frenchy, Cineractive <laughs> uh, <laughs> games where, like, press press X to Jason to yell. You know what I'm... Yes. But this was one, either, one of their first games, and it's the reason why it's a big deal, and it was re-released a couple years ago, is because it has a prominent... Uh, features prominently David Bowie. And... Ooh. Uh, David Bowie lending his like David Bowie, I think is one of uh, humanity the best examples of humanity, and he's always right, and he always embraced the right things, and he was mm. ahead of his time in embracing video games. And uh, uh, there's some girls who weren't legal that will disagree, but okay, okay, I, I, I don't know about that, but uh, that's not what I'm talking about. Mm. But but every time yeah. like there was a new medium, David Bowie found a way to embrace it. Every time there was a new style of music, David Bowie found a way to embrace it. He would constantly call it MTV. There's not a lot of black people on here because my mm-hmm. black wife told me so. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and he just made a lot of other people feel comfortable in their own skin. And being one of the first big celebrities to like, yeah, I'm going to do a big interactive fuck all thing when no one else is really approaching this medium. And he did. And it's in Omicron. And, and it just yeah, it's, I love shouting out David Bowie for any reason. And here we get to what I wanted to talk about earlier. We'll close out the 2000 segment with Todd Grodgren off of one uh, one long year. I hate my friggin' ISP. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he has a song in 2000, and he's a guy in his 50s. And he's singing a song about how much he fucking hates his internet service provider. That's hilarious. <laughs> and it's a pretty good song. It's like, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> what was he using at the time? Like Net Zero? Was he a prodigy man? <laughs> <laughs> what, what was happening here? Computer? I know. Like, I had to double check. Like, wait, no, this is from some other. This is from 2000. Not Todd Rundgren. Come on. Nope. <sighs> I cannot wait he to change my ISP. Rumping. I feel it every single day. Uh, but we'll close out with some Todd Rogren. I hate my freaking ISP, but stay right there, people. 2010 is next. And boy, you're going to love this Adam Sandler movie. Said no one. All the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of June 19th through the 25th, we have two musicals celebrating their 40th anniversary. Uh, both worth watching for deeply different reasons. Uh, let's start with the bad one that you might not have heard of. June 20th, 1980. So 40 years ago this week saw the release of the Village People film Can't Stop the Music. 
which is something else entirely. Uh, number one, its problem was, let's make a movie about disco, right as disco dies and people fucking hate disco. And uh, it is produced by and written by uh, Alan Carr, who tries to macho everything up a bunch and only succeeds in making everything gayer somehow. Um, yeah, like, for example, the, the straight male standards of modern masculinity who are going to be here to show how not gay everything is are Steve Gutenberg and Caitlyn Jenner. So... So it's directed by Nancy Walker, who is best known as Rhoda's mom from TV. I don't know why she directed this. The village people all play themselves uh, to various levels of good. Um, and it, sometimes it just feels like they're trying to make it like super straight for middle America. And like the, the incredible gayness just keeps seeping in somehow. And they keep trying to fight it backwards. Like once... The times that they just embrace it and go full camp, like they have a big campy YMCA number. And you're like... Why aren't you making this movie? The whole thing is just mind-boggling to watch. Uh, and I recommend it. Definitely for fans of camp and uh, film disasters in general. Can't stop the music. And it's weird because it comes out against another musical, which is a movie that I feel like everyone should see, which also captures performances uh, that are worth capturing. <laughs> and that's the Blues Brothers, also from uh, June 1980, uh, directed by John Landis. And starring John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. Of course, it's the Blues Brothers. I guess this makes it the first Saturday Night Live film. I'd say the best. Sorry, I do like Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2. I, I do have soft spots for them. But the Blues Brothers is the best because uh, it's a straight-up musical. And they have the best of the best come and perform. So you got some James Brown. You got some Cab Calloway, Ray Charles, and Aretha Franklin slaying the entire movie. And as if that weren't enough, you also have both kinds of music, country and western and some Illinois Nazis, and more than a hundred cars getting destroyed. And Carrie Fisher and John Candy. There's something for everybody. So, I mean, I feel like John Belushi, he made more than two movies, everyone, but between this and Animal House is like the only things anyone really knows him for because this is where he shines, even though he was off partying so much that he drove the budget like way over and caused a ton of delays because uh, drugs are bad for you. But it is just a it's just a lot of fun. It's very episodic. If you don't like what's happening now, wait five minutes. There's going to be another musical performance and then something else goofy is going to happen. So, yeah, if you're never bothered to watch the Blues Brothers, just, I don't know, your dad likes it too much or something. Give it a shot. It is a lot of fun. And my God, the car destruction at the end is just something to behold. Please don't ever watch the sequel. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with California Girls by uh, Katy Perry featuring Snoop Dogg. I had no idea Snoop Dogg was in this. Is this a different version? Uh, no. I've heard no. this a lot in, while Snoop getting Dogg my hair cut. Is in, Snoop Dogg will show up in any song. Yeah. 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 I, I am convinced I, I could just 
right now, I think this this podcast might be featuring Snoop Dogg. Yeah, he's like, the he's the he'll little, just show up for a verse for no reason. <laughs> he's the little Richard of music. I know that's confusing, but you had to watch a lot of eighty sitcoms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, R.I.P. Snoop Dogg will come aboard and still rules. And this song makes me kind of happy, even though Sarah gave it a nice ugh. Uh, <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan. No. No. And yes, I realize my tastes are arbitrary, but it's it is what it is. Everyone. Nope, well, I'm putting it's it together. Also very she, overplayed. Is that part of it? That's that perhaps. Is part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sarah loves Dick Tracy, hates Katy Perry. Got it. And <laughs> Pretty th- much. This will define you. Write her wiki now. Uh, welcome to 2010, everyone. June 19th to the 25th. Uh, new releases for music this week is How I Got Over by Ro- by The Roots. Woo. Is this before Jimmy Fallon? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Memphis Blues by Cindy Lauper. Uh, we Are Born by Sia and Can't Be Tamed by Miley Cyrus. God damn, I love all the names we get to mention in this show, including this one, <laughs> which doesn't belong in 2010 at all, it seems like. Well, maybe. Megan Fox and Brian Austin Green marry. And they just announced they are now splitting up. And everyone. They've been off and on for a while, though, I think, right? Yeah. I know they're both seeing other people now. And I was like, just, I like, I wrote, oh, and they're still together like two weeks ago. I think (laughs) this just. Like, I double check now. Like, ah, damn it. This All this does is reaffirm shitty male behavior. Get a girl early and she won't leave you as easily. Because there's no reason Megan Fox should still be with this idiot from Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> she is. She's way more talented, way more beautiful. June 19th through the 25th with for 2010. Toy Story 3 is still number one at the box office. And if you care about movies, you got to be happy about that. And there's some new movies to talk about. The Killer Inside Me. I ugh, yeah. I don't like this title at all. But <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it goes back to it's a pulp book from way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been trying to make it for years and years. Tarantino was attached for a while. Wow. A bunch of other people. It's it, it it just it never seemed to get off the ground because the content is incredibly dark and violent, especially towards women. Mm. And so Michael Winterbottom finally gets it made with Casey Affleck, uh, Jessica Alba, and Kate Hudson. Mm-hmm. And every review is pretty much Jesus Christ, how much violence against women are you going to make me watch? Oh mm. no! Thank I mean, you. like. Women are getting beaten and getting into it. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah. think, I think it's a pulpy, gross novel about this guy who, on the outside, seems like he's an okay cop, and on the inside, he is a, like a psycho killer. It's, it's again. Why is this timely? It's, it's oh my god, a movie about a crazy cop in each decade this week. Ooh, mm-hmm. we made the hat trick. <laughs> and it's something my 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 lady and I were talking about, like with the in, the increase of mainstream accessible nonfiction shows i think are the palette for people who want to see fi- like scripted movies about killers and horrible people that shit has gone way down like i'll watch mm. the jeffrey epstein documentary before i ever want to see a movie made out of this horrible person but we we still sort of had that uh throughout us growing up we had movies about mm. terrible people uh scripted yeah. movies and like i think yeah, I think that's going to go away. Like, we'd rather watch a condemnation-based documentary than watch a movie relishing in horrible behavior. Uh, it, it's 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 very, very strange to me. That Jeffrey Epstein documentary, thought I couldn't learn anything from it, and I do recommend people watch it. Um, well, some, sometimes for me, the problem is, like, 
Well, yeah, but I'm a white woman, so obviously I listen to a bunch of true crime podcasts. So right. anything you make up, I've heard worse right. realities. Right, right. It's, ta- it's supplanted any reason to, to like see this shit. I remember I was dating a girl for a second. And I went to go see um, uh, William Friedkin's Killer Joe, uh, the only, the last NC-17 movie I've ever seen. And she didn't know much about movies. And I told her I went to go see it. And she's like, I went to go see it too. Why do you like this kind of stuff? <laughs> I don't. And I don't even know why they still make why anybody would make a movie like that uh, yeah. in this day and age. But uh, it, it's interesting because like, there's certain kinds of movies I'm sad that we lost. Things like The Killer Inside Me, not one of them. It's not really one of those things I want to spend like – 90 minutes with, I would love to go on a wiki binge or listen to a podcast about someone similar, but mm-hmm. I, I don't need to imagine monsters anymore. Yeah. yeah. Or I'll read the book. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like it's when I should just read the book because you'll get the good lurid Jim Thompson prose. Yeah. yeah. And uh, speaking of things Chris doesn't know about, um, oh, Ben Shankman, I just want to confirm right now, this woman's name is really Imogene Poots. Yep. Uh-huh. I've been reading it for years. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, Jenna Fisher, Mary Louise Parker, Danny DeVito, Susan Sarandon, Michael Douglas, in a movie that probably expected better things, Solitary Man. Hey, wonder Aren't you a little old for all this? Yeah, that's cool. Your lowest moments, you're alone. I learned that when I was in jail. You paid a fine and settled. Well, I was in jail for a night. And before I made the deal, I used to think about it uh, a lot. Yeah. It's fantastic. You're out of your mind. I didn't say anything. I love it. All right. All right. What is what is solitary man? It's so, no good. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, I, I I didn't watch it. I read a lot of reviews saying praising Michael Douglas's performance, but it it seems like it's it, it's Wonder Boys, but not as good. No, it's not even as it's not even close to that, really. I so no. I watched the first hour of it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and you know, the idea is that he's supposed to be this like kind of slick, assholey car dealership guy, and yeah. he has uh, and he's just a jerk, and then I think he has some sort of health crisis, and then kind of turns his life around, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the first hour of it was so unpleasant to watch because <laughs> he is so irredeemable that I couldn't eat. And then also too, I mean, I love Michael Douglas and I like a lot of the other people that are in this movie, mm-hmm. but put together, it was real like uh, gross white people doing gross things. Like, you know what I'm mm. saying? Like a big part of the first part of the movie was him taking his like girlfriend's daughter on a college trip so she could like get be interviewed by the dean or whatever and then he like almost gets in a fight with i'm pretty sure tear him kill him like in a very <laughs> early role for him I love that guy when he like steals his frisbee and then he meets up with jesse eisenberg and is like teaching him how to hit on girls and then he meets his girlfriend's daughter back at the hotel and they end up making out it's just i was like oh. what is this i don't need to watch this I, so i i do I, like, I, i'm ca- not i tapped out after that i'm not it the right person dreadful. to talk about this but like the inherent sexism of like these aging movie stars getting multiple movies like this like did <laughs> did, did michael douglas need to make wonder boys twice is anybody really that interested what? i've Wonder never boys heard of this 
fantastic. This no, no, is... you get you get one. You should get one. <laughs> old movie star gets to play an old person against type kind of movies. And uh, this this I, I'm a big Wonder Boys fan, and it was totally error appropriate. And this seems like why did these talented people not know they deserve better than to be in this kind of film? A redemptive movie for the type of person Michael Douglas probably really is. Well, and he's like he's visiting with his old friend Danny DeVito, mm-hmm. who like works at the restaurant in his old college town, and there's just absolutely no chemistry between them as friends. It's just bad. But, it's you know, just when, bad. like when they they build a movie around an old movie star, they have to play over the top wildly against type. But mm-hmm. you get these like charming movies where Al Pacino goes to his hometown like every six weeks. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Fuck that shit all the way. Um, anyway, sorry. I'm, I'm off hey, on a rant here. So, and Sarah made yeah. me... Sarah put, forced put, me. Yeah. If you watched Solitary Man and liked it, please tell us about it. <laughs> yeah. Or, or or just leave your Patreon money and die at the door. There's no, <laughs> there's zero way any of our listeners saw Solitary Man and enjoyed it. I, I don't know. Uh, I you was know what? Very, very I'm going I'm to strike this through. Were you on a plane? You don't count. <laughs> you uh, don't, that's true. That's you don't true. count. But uh, all right. Speaking I, of, I think yeah, we need to move to the next movie because I know all of us have things to talk about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this, this was the unexpected movie of the week. Yeah, for emotions. Speaking of being on a plane, uh, oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, and I yeah, two only two people we're talking about: Cameron Diaz and Tom Cruise, and Night and Day. I want to talk about this guy. He was some sort of secret agent or something. And then these other agents come. Miss Havens, will you join us inside the car for a moment? They snatch me up. Next thing you know, I'm on the I-93. Hey, dude, it's a beautiful dress. One second. Some people are going to come looking for you. They'll tell you I'm violent and dangerous. It will all sound very convincing. I'm already convinced. Out there on your own, your life expectancy is like you. With me, it's you. Without me, here. I fucking hate this. And I like Muse a lot. And I don't fault them for being in the trailer. It also has Peter Sarsgaard and Paul Dano. It's true. This movie is bad. It it is. is It's not good. It is is 30 years, 20 years after the fact, it is the vanity project that Dick Tracy was for Warren Beatty. It is what Tom Cruise thinks, A, thinks the world wants him to be and be how he wants the world to see him. Yes. I am the most awesome guy in the universe. I'm Uh, smart. Yes. I'm, I'm very good at action things. I can do everything. There's there's good action stuff in it. It's just like, it is, it bleeds a vanity project. Uh, I hate it. (laughs) I, I was really surprised by this because this is so close to being something I would love. Yeah. The yeah. idea of just a regular schmuck getting stuck in the midst of like Mission Impossible type shit going mm-hmm. on with this guy who treats it all as perfectly normal and will carry on conversations during car chases mm-hmm. and shooting and craziness and 
not knowing like and then she just like wakes up at home like what the fuck was that and now a bunch of government agents are showing up and it's like and then they got to go on the run okay fine and there was a lot of stuff in here that i liked a lot mm. and overall is just sort of eh. it peters out in the second half like it's, it's, everything it's, i liked was was in the first probably 40 minutes i hate it but because tom cruise is involved it's above board look it's tom better than cruise should be is so good like he just sells it so hard mm. that it's almost almost saved by him and mm. his performance yeah. but just not quite i mean the dialogue's not great the mm. action sequences are good specifically when he does any sort of hand-to-hand fighting mm-hmm. those i think are the the best and so when i texted you guys last night i was like at least watch the first 15 minutes because he takes down a bunch of bad guys on a plane on a commercial plane mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. that's pretty i was I really enjoyed yeah. that. No, I if, if Tom Cruise wasn't, if Tom Cruise wasn't in this, like he he would not have done a meticulous action sequence there. Mm, like he loves doing that kind of shit. Not. Yeah. Well, I think I mean part of what sets it uh, a cut above it is it's got a solid director, it's directed by James, James Mangold, Mangold, who, mm. holy shit, Logan, one of the best damn movies. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the action scenes, like the the. They're shot creatively, but not like in a jarring, weird way that you can't tell what's going on. You can always tell exactly what is going on. The plane fight, and then later there's a cool car chase shootout that was really good. And then like when the plot starts becoming more plot, Mm -hmm. and the action starts disappearing, and then like all all of its problems start becoming more and more obvious. Yeah. Like um, she should get away from him. I think he might be a psychopath. And it's like, all the agents are after him. Oh, I guess those are all bad agents. And they say he's crazy, but no, he's the only one who's sane. And it's like, it would be kind of funny if it turns out, no, he actually is insane. Oh, yeah. He that has be... gone rogue. And yeah. and, and <laughs> Peter Sarsgaard is actually the good guy coming to, to save everyone. That would have been a hell of a fucking twist. Yeah. Sure. I would but like instead, that. Like, he's, of course, he's always right, and he's always saving everyone, mm-hmm. and he's always, everything's great, and there's there's no room for any doubt, really. It's a globetrotting movie, which is fun, mm-hmm. too, because it takes you to a lot of different locales. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the movie would have been better served by not having the person who is lumped in with him be a romantic interest. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would have much more enjoyed a friendship than a romantic interest developed because that it just didn't make any sense to me. And I truly cannot stand Cameron Diaz. Oh really? I like yeah, her truly. I like I like her bunches. I was gonna point out that like I, this is one of her last right. like three starring roles before she yeah. basically like I think admirably like I don't give a fuck about this anymore. I'm gonna do activism stuff and like write books. Her I'm sure she's a very nice lady, but her were her character she's incredibly one note to me she plays the same character in every single freaking movie where she's very hot but also like a cool guy's girl you know like she basically is just reliving there's something about mary over and over and over again and the only time that i've ever been impressed with her or her acting is in my best friend's wedding where she completely goes against that stereotype but then i liked her in charlie's angels and bad teacher no I did no. <laughs> Sarah just told me no. No. <laughs> no. I, it's I, the same thing over and over and over. Well, and I, over I was going to say, I didn't like her in this movie because, like, she's much cooler in most of the things she's in. And she's really just mm. this, like, braying, helpless, like, mm. annoyance in this film right. where, like, she doesn't normally do that. 
and, yeah. and she's she's she almost every movie she's in, she's a much stronger character. And, and yeah, but it's always this like completely unrealistic jerk off fantasy <laughs> that is just like <laughs> Maya culpa. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know oh, it's, it's the cool. She's I don't super know. hot, but she like can eat with the guys, and she restores classic cars. I was yeah, like, could, she could likes you beer. Give a more give fantasy me a fucking break than to restore classic GTOs. Give like, me a fucking break. Like I, I, I just, I, oh I, I don't know if anyone's read Gone Girl, but there's a fantastic passage in there about this idea of like the cool girl where. She's like a dude, but she's also super fucking hot and she loves wings and she loves sports. And it's just like, this is a person that doesn't really exist. Bullshit. This has been my relationship with both of you. (laughs) (laughs) It really has. You were like my best movie, like dude movie friends in the world. Come now. Yeah, but I I understand what you mean. It's like, on the one hand, I almost want like, yes, representation. Women can work in custom automotives too and yeah most of my friends have always been guys and i'm just one of the guys and i hang out with the guys but that's not i'm also like not having sex with them (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'm not uh it's not for romantic reasons that's for me being me this is not me trying to be accepted so i can get a boy i think you're you're ruining the mysticism behind our rapport on this podcast right now (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I thought I, you were about to say that I'm like ruining a fantasy type no, no, archetype, no, I just, and I don't yeah. care. I just I, I, I find I think, that to be very harmful. I think a harmful I think, stereotype. I archetype. think Cameron Diaz. In I, I, I wanted to stand up for her because, like, I think she had, she's one of the few women of the end of whatever the studio era was who kind of got to write her own ticket and usually chose interesting projects. And yeah. and I I, I, I I do like her a lot because I, I think she's she's she surprised me in how versatile she ended up being and I do like her playing a dirtier character every once in a while because she really chose other than the mask her first movie chose not to play the femme fatale like ever again mm-hmm. and, yeah, and, and, but, and this I mean, this to me is like is like I think she saw an undeniable paycheck I'm gonna yeah. be and I don't like this character for her at all I don't yeah, like yeah. her. Sh- shrieking and squirming because like i've never seen her do that before ever i just don't Mm -hmm. agree that she's made very interesting choices with the exception of being john malkovich and my best friend's wedding everything else is just so no way dude the same no way dude like from sex tape to bad teacher to like coming back to acting just to be in uh annie as a as a sex (laughs) tape are you really citing sex tape that's not something she needed to do it's just like it's it was a funny idea and I think she really kind of went for it. And I like I even like her in Charlie's Angel. I, I'm a Cameron Diaz fan. I'm sorry. That's she, fine. I'm not she, trying to. Everyone should be fans of whoever they want to be fans with. I'm I'm saying my issues with Cameron Diaz, and I don't I don't agree with your promise that she makes interesting choices. Yeah, I mean, look, look um, at, look at who she chose twice. to work with throughout her career. Like she's like oh Martin Scorsese and Cameron Crowe. She like kind of like made the decision to work with like only like great directors for a long time Mm. and then you know the inherent sexism of the movie industry kind of like swatted her to the ground and since to some extent and yeah she always played like small roles in big movies and i thought she was like she's cool in any given sunday i love her in that movie yeah i hated that movie but i i think chris's point is she's not kate hudson yeah or katherine heigl she yeah. could have been doing that for the rest of her life. She, like, almost she never made romantic comedies. Boring, boring romantic mm-hmm. comedies. Mm-hmm. 
And, and like, and, and like and I'm just looking and, at this this one career trajectory. Like, I'll be in Vanilla Sky, followed by the sweetest thing written by a South Park writer that's dirty as shit, and then mm-hmm. Gangs in New York. Uh, like, look, I don't wow. love Gangs in New York, but like, she played a dumb role for Martin Scorsese because she gives a fuck about who she works with. Yeah. Nah, why am okay. I sorry? But night anyway. night and day, I, I just didn't like her role in this, and it, it seemed like it 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 seemed every single second of it seemed how every dude unchecked thinks of himself. <laughs> if I could build a movie out of that. Yeah, I feel like it could have been pushed in a certain direction and become like a satire almost yeah. or a, yeah. a spoof yeah. movie because there are so many elements that were just so over the top and, you know, and and fearing so close to parody. He is, the, he is the spy version of Rick yeah. Sanchez. He is the perfect version with an answer <laughs> and solution to everything, and he's never made sport of really for any of that in the movie. Mm. It, it just—it's yeah. so ridiculous, and it's like it is—it is like I think the best example I've seen in a long time of like a movie star-led vehicle. Like this, this serves yes. mostly you, and like the audience is not going to like this. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know how well it did, um, but not great. Yeah, I can imagine. This is definitely the first time I saw it was on a plane, actually. I do wow. remember that. And, 200, $260 million um, domestic because he's top Tom fucking Cruise. Let's not forget. I know. And, you know, I feel bad. I feel like I probably was unnecessarily harsh to Cameron Diaz. I just find her to generally be the archi- the representative of that sort of archetype that I just find mm-hmm. To be yep. very distasteful and I don't enjoy. So what are you talking? She's, sure she's a very girl? nice lady, and I do think she is a serviceable actress. In that mm. previous the examples that I yeah. gave previously, yeah, she's she's grown on me over time. I just man, it's it, 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 it's so good stuff towards the beginning, and then it's just mm-hmm. like you, they, they don't do anything new with it. The rest mm. of it is very by the numbers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the plane it fight is. scene where he uses a belt buckle as an unchuck. I loved it. <laughs> and there was a really nice panning shot from outside the plane. Yeah. Just following the fight yes. as it goes. It's That was beautiful. I, I definitely, if you don't watch anything else, just watch that first plane fight scene. It is so good. And it's just Tom Cruise cruising around doing his Tom Cruise thing and I love yep. it. It is it is not Dick Tracy level, but it is the same kind of white privilege fueled with cocaine kind of movie. I I, I love it. I love I, I absolutely it's worth a watch just cuz it's it's it deserved to fail, but you can see why yeah. and it's 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 still always kind of fun to watch. Uh, it's it's so close to being something that I would love I though. Yeah. And then it just doesn't take the chances that it should probably take. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I that's that's a great way it. to put it. Yeah. Thank like you. something something more drastic and weird should have happened, mm-hmm. and and nobody would have stopped talking about it. I know. Yeah. And we know that Tom Cruise is capable of that because right. he's done weird before. Mm-hmm. He can get there. He just I think he's super comfortable now, and it, it would take something really yeah I only really that, good that for, glim- to get him out of that. We did a whole whole show about Mishposh, which uh, I'm love saying is better than the James Bond franchise at this point. Agree. And the, mm. that last movie where he's like, I'll have to go undercover and be a part of them. And they, it, it doesn't tell you it's a fantasy sequence, but you just see him like murdering cops by putting guns to their heads and like, <laughs> what the, f- oh, okay. They pulled their punches, but they showed it. And like, that was fucking awesome. That and, was very interesting. And that was, that was like something that the kind of 
the kind of ingredient I wish was was tossed in this movie a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like mm. uh, like be be something incredibly different. Give us a memorable scene of a character. Just weird turn. it up a little bit. Yeah, weird yeah. up. You can always write your way out of it in the sequel, which you know they wanted to make. Like they wanted mm-hmm. to make this should have been there. We uh we didn't line up. Brad and Angelina for Miss and Mrs. Smith. We fucking regretted it for, for all these years. And we could have had this sexy spy duo movie. And like that, you see them wanting to make that franchise. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah. I think it's fun to just take a look at how often you actually see Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz standing right next to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not very often. Just because I, I, Cameron I have, Diaz is a tall lady, right? I have a still... Yeah. Where he's clearly on an apple box standing yeah. above her. Like you yeah. you are not that tall, brother. Your hands are small. It's, we can see it. <laughs> it is a fun Tom Cruise game, always. First of all, look for his mono tooth, his giant middle tooth, his, cyclo- <laughs> his cyclops tooth. And then also how many times in a movie does he actually literally stand next to a another person, including a leading lady? Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know that this movie did not do well because i mean the reviews were deeply meh and mm-hmm. all the audience tests were like nah, great and everyone's like really but tom cruise is doing spy stuff really and the fact that it that night and day loses so hard at the box office to a comedy to, it's to a, a comedy to a it's terrible comedy terrible like terrible i, I will i will slander myself i love adam sandler and I, there's a part of me that even his bad movies i find kind of entertaining because it's just like yeah it's just a bunch of his friends and they're having fun mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. th- this this to me is like the cinematic version of a bad podcast with comedians who just think they're hilarious together no this is what it is it is when you go to a wedding and like the groomsmen put together like a little skit <laughs> And nobody gets any of the jokes because they're all dumb Woo! inside jokes. That's what this is. And it's I call this Adam Sandler's Avengers because it's just like all his old friends who cannot stand alone as starring in movies. And I yeah. love, love, love seeing them together. I genuinely do. This is from my – Yeah, I just – well, we're talking about Grown Ups. Grown Ups. Yeah. Which I watched – some of also, um, but did not get all the way through it because I figured it. I was like, okay, I've figured it I out. I have never gotten all the way through. If you have not seen the video Oof. I made, maybe we can embed it under this article. Adam Sandler loves food. I went through all his movies trying to find specific callouts for brand named food. Just having watched Billy Madison yeah. while high and like, mm-hmm. oh, snack packs. I'm like, no one has ever asked for snack packs. In partic- There's a lot of that, yeah. And and, and <laughs> like and this is the one movie that uh, I think the second one has KFC, but the, 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 this, this every, one has KFC. Too. This is the one where he eats the ash ridden KFC. Like it is, yeah. I I could not. I hated this. Like this was inexcusable to me. It was a, a, a he clearly. I even like the idea, even if you hate it, that Adam Sandler's a millionaire and makes millionaire vehicles for his friends. Well, I think was it Colin Quinn who had a joke about this. He bought. Everyone in the five main cast members Porsches mm-hmm. uh, on the ca- got Sony to pay for them to buy Porsches, and Colin Quinn joked about how him and Norm Macdonald, who are in the movie, had to take an Uber home. Yeah. And like, <laughs> but like it is, I, there's 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 less valiant ways to be a movie star mm-hmm. uh, other than to mm-hmm. employ all your friends. 
And yeah, it's fine. That I, I but it sucks. Any of that? <laughs> sucks this so hard. movie is very bad. It and it, sucks. It, it's it's extremely insulting to go into a movie where you you're getting ready to watch five people who you know are very funny, mm-hmm. and that all the dialogue is these old friends trying to like you know crack on each other and make mm-hmm. each other laugh, and the entire script is. A first draft. That's what right. it sounds like. And that's what's so frustrating. They'll for- say something that's like has the rhythm of a joke and yeah. it sounds like a joke, but it sounds like they just put some words in there and then they were like, we'll come back and put an actual like, joke here. I feel like <laughs> I feel like these guys can improv. I love individually all the components of this movie, even Me Adam too. Sandler. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why like when I saw his comedy special, I was like, that's why I loved him. This is so weird and silly and unique to you, and you never do any of this in your movies, ever. You write the most mm-hmm. cliched, formulaic, horrible thing to be a comedy, but also to have your friend's cameo in it. And this was like beyond cameo. It's like th- th- his friends are the five main stars. And there is something about growing up with the the, 90, the early 90s era of SNL, seeing them all still be in a movie, I have to watch this, and I fucking mm. hate it. I hate it so much. It's, it's like it's nostalgia gone wrong. Grown-ups, TV spot. Here you go. <laughs> when these childhood friends get back together. It's good to see the buffoons again. <laughs> it's every man. I thought you were going to start working out. Got a little Kardashian in there. No. <laughs> Woman. Get down low and let the rock do the magic. Do you know how to skip rocks? Are you kidding me? I am the best at this. <laughs> And child. You know they put a chemical in the pool that turns urine blue. No, no, no. It's an old wives' tale, sweetie. For themselves. Oh my God! Grown ups in theaters June. I hate this so much. I hate this so much. God damn it! God damn it! You know what? I I've just figured it out. I think just hearing you guys talk, I figured out what would make me want to watch this movie is Christopher Guest. It. (laughs) Adam Sandler, Kevin James, Chris Rock, David Spade, Rob Schneider. Maya Rudolph, Selma Hayek, whoever you want. Get them in there, pre-work who your character is and some of their backstory, and then improvise. Yeah. Yeah. At least we'll get something unexpected. Right. And and my least favorite part about this movie forever is there is a scene where a deer gets in their bedroom, and it is the most CG deer ever, and it's like clearly like... (laughs) one bad joke written down that it takes hours to film and it's not funny and it's terrible and it involves like stupid fucking nutshot. I love a good nutshot nutshot joke. Do not get me wrong. It all sucks. And it's it's just because it was on the page written by Adam Sandler's friend. These are like these, these for me, and I'm using the term problematic, not in any moral sense. It's like, why waste yourselves on this? Have you ever seen yeah. David Spade or Chris Rock on a talk show? They will murder. They will yeah, murder. Um, I just heard David Spade on Comedy Bang Bang, and he was so He's amazing. Great. He's awesome. He, like, I'm rooting for his Comedy Central show because he's so good. Yeah. Uh, the possible exception of Rob Schneider, because Diana will contest me on that. I think that dude was amazing yeah. on SNL. But like, I, I really never, like Rob Schneider. I never, it's never quite clicked for me. Yeah. He should uh, always I, play the rock son. That's <laughs> I mean, when I watched this movie and he showed up on screen, I laughed. Mm-hmm. Like his his character work is good. It's just the stuff they gave him to say was just so this is, this is, terrible. This is galaxy brain shit. It's like I 
these guys are so much better than the m- movies they make. I feel like mm-hmm. they they think this is what we want to see, and I don't know how to tell Adam Sandler like this is not what we want to see from you. No, nope. I would rather nope. see you be the water boy all day mm-hmm. than be the central figure of this terrible comedy Avengers movie. Like, <laughs> I, I just want to see you guys get as silly as you possibly can be, and you write the most formulaic, dated horseshit mm. that like literally so millennials hold a law. As as like this is the this is what Hollywood thinks we like. It's embarrassing for me to defend how funny you were when you yeah. make this kind of shit. And, and, yeah. and this is this is all them relaxing and taking a vacation. And I've seen the second yeah. one, which has a giant Kmart plug, and they kick Rob Schneider out for hilarious reasons. It's <sighs> I hate I hate this so much. And like it, you, when when you do more research on these movies, they're always written and directed by like the same five people. And mm-hmm. and they're just just because they're buds and they don't want to like reach outside themselves. And what happens when Adam Sandler reaches outside himself? You get uncut gems mm-hmm. and, and, and punch up love. love. Fucking great movies. He's yeah. Adam Sandler is is worth being a movie star. So is yeah. everybody here. And I hate I hate how they lock down Kevin James, who I think is incredibly talented. I will accept I him all day him. as the Chris Farley stand, and he, he should he should have been here. Uh, it's in Adam Sandler's song and 100% fresh. We would be filming Grown Ups 3 right now if if mm. Chris Farley was still here. And I like that I get to st- still see my comedy heroes, but they disappoint me all the fucking time. And mm-hmm. I, I got to say, The Wrong Missy, if you haven't seen that on Netflix, it's one of the better Happy Madison, that's Adam Sandler's mm. company, mm-hmm. movies I've seen in some time. And that's mostly because Lauren Lapkus. They like yeah. give her ah. a massive spotlight to be an awful person and vomit on sharks. It's <laughs> that's a really great description of what happens. It, it, she's awesome in it. Sorry, I don't know if I'm bitching too much, but these people, I grew yeah. up with these people as my heroes. Like playing the CD, uh, uh, Adam Sandler's. They're all gonna laugh at you everywhere I went and delighting everyone. And like this is what we get, grown ups. Yuck! Mm. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah, and they're they're capable of so much better, man. And I I just wish they would stretch themselves a little more. And Chris Rock yeah. does as a filmmaker. He really does. I think Chris yeah. Chris Rock has the potential to be a really great filmmaker. But everyone else, man, I'm fucking worried about. <laughs> God, am I fucking high or drunk? I feel like I've talked way too long about. Chris. No, no, it's uh, fine. Uh, I mean, we all had strong feelings about the last. Yeah, it movies. makes me and so mad. I abs- I, I absolutely agree with you. I wish Grown Ups was better. I went into it thinking, because as we all recall, I enjoyed and stood up for Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> and you did. Whew, and yeah. it, it was far better than I expected. I was really hoping I would have the same situation, and I was so disappointed. Yeah, and I did turn it off, too, right before I'm pretty sure they were going to kill a dog. So I was like, yeah, I'm it done. Just, it just like do, doing, the, doing the podcast, it, it is so rare. It's a luxury. It is a privilege to have your comedy heroes reunited 20 years after their prime to do a thing and mm-hmm. then feel like I have to defend why they were ever funny because they make something mm-hmm. so fucking lazy. It, it, like I fucking hate that, and I hate them putting me in this position because I've seen them all all individually do wonderful things. So, so that, that sorry, that's where I I I love everyone involved in this, and I'm very disappointed by Grown Ups and Grown Ups Two, yeah. and eventually Grown Ups Three. Yeah, uh, I think the thing that makes you the most angry is that it's a giant missed opportunity. Yeah, all these people yeah. are better than this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Jesus. Christ. Even I agree, and I 
don't like Adam. Yeah, <laughs> Diana. Would, <laughs> Diana would, would like like uh, well, you must sacrifice one human being to make the world better. And like I can just watch Diana throwing Adam Sandler in a volcano. He <laughs> just doesn't care. <laughs> but but I do for some reason, and it, it it just breaks my heart constantly. Especially when you get that Adam Sandler hundred percent fresh comedy special on Netflix is so good and evident why everyone loved him twenty years ago. Uh, and, and none of that shows up in his films ever. It makes no fucking sense. Anyway, television, 2010, uh, June 19th to the 25th. My mom is still in mourning. The Tudors finale. This is why my mother got Netflix, by the way. Wow. She read about the Tudors. Yeah. I, I, I don't know my mother's taste. I want to make a fart joke here. (laughs) (laughs) This never occurred to me until now. What? <laughs> Toots. Tooters. Oh, I was ready to make a two-door sedan joke, but Sarah's right there with a the fucking flatulent humor. Oh, uh, yeah, like a Showtime show. My mom doesn't subscribe to Showtime. I had to. I remember installing a Wii with a fitness pad in her room so she could watch the Tooters, uh, and we never realized we knew we liked the same thing and somehow Game of Thrones was like the Venn diagram mm-hmm. where my mom and I are talking about the same show. So I don't know anything about the Tudors, but she loved it. And yeah. it ruled I her mean, life. I, I tried to get into the Tudors a couple of times. Just didn't really do it for me. I'm not I don't love Jonathan Rhys Myers and he plays the main tutor. <laughs> Henry VIII? Yeah. <laughs> I think I've heard of him. Yeah. Sarah laughed at her own fart yeah. joke. Let's put that, mark that down. She almost couldn't continue. Uh, yeah, this is what it, it would be normally right up my alley. Um, I was watching a lot of historical fiction television programs about the Borgias a couple years mm-hmm. ago, and I mm-hmm. thought this right. would be great to just like go right into that. And it, Dude, I, it's, there, it's, I know people love it. If I was a smarter person and more diligent, I would love to do a series of YouTube videos. Like, uh, Showtime shows are the worst. They're subject <laughs> to no censorship and total creative freedom and still end up like, all of this, all of this is Puppet Master movies. It's it's the worst, most formulaic straight-to-video horseshit you've ever seen in your life. And they fuck up every good show they have. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that, I mean, Showtime television programs uh, start off fantastic, and I don't know of any of them that have ended well. I mean, Mm. Homeland went off the rails. The L Word went off the rails. my, My girl's a big fan of Shameless because it is like a dramatized version of people who haven't been discovered by Ricky Lake yet. It is it is absolutely absurd and like nobody could get into this much shit. It is so silly and watchable. I'm not saying they're all shitty, but like they don't reach prestige level, but you mm. still have to pay the same amount as HBO for them. I hate them. Yeah. And they belong yeah. on Netflix for free. Yeah. I'm I've caught a couple episodes of the Tudors and I've thought about going back and going for it because I do love historical dramas mm. and I know that this this story in particular has so much craziness going on and mm. such interesting characters and everyone is backstabbing everybody else and there's lots and lots of pol- politicking and there's a fair amount of murder and it's fun. Um, I, I know other things like this I've seen, they sexy it up a bit mm-hmm. to the point where when you binge it, you can basically know exactly when the sex scene is coming. Like there is a sex <laughs> scene minute 41 of every fucking episode. <laughs> 
Minute 41. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just whatever it is, like, boom. All right, and there's our sex scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, we get it. But, um, I mean, coming out of this, like, it had a pretty deep cast. A lot of, hey, it's that guy's. But Henry Cavill, I feel like, is the big mm-hmm. guy that mm-hmm. this this kind of launched him. And uh, now he's the Superman. So. And it looks really good. Like, it's mm-hmm. expensive, I feel yeah. like. It, it, like, they do a great job with everything. Just, uh really do it for him but there's four seasons so boy uh, and then and then i have to talk about till death finale yeah well it also went four seasons yeah even though it's a show no one wanted and everyone said was the worst which is on fox the 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 brad garrett jolie fisher like uh again like trying to make like ah we're the avengers of old sitcom stars and you know i mean i absolutely love brad garrett Mm -hmm. i think he's just Really, really great. I just really like him. And he was most, most recently on a really, really, I thought a show that was really great called Single Parents. Um, but, but yeah, he's just what a I, fun what, guy. What I, and didn't, I don't like that this was not a good vehicle for What him. I didn't know about Brad Garrett is that he just had a history as a, a stand-up and an impressionist. His first gig mm-hmm, yeah. was playing Hulk Hogan on the fucking wrestling cartoon series of the 80s. <laughs> Like that's his first big break, <laughs> and like he's really, really good at mm-hmm. being funny and given nothing. Yeah, always. I know it and, sucks. And so he, if he's on a podcast, like, dude, listen to Brad Garrett. He'll, like, he's got fuck you money forever because ever because of Raymond. Uh, he, he's a funny dude. He is. He's really. I, I just really enjoy him quite a bit, and he's also apparently a professional poker player. That makes me hmm. like him less. Uh, <laughs> is that who Michael Sarah was playing in Molly's game? He was Brad Garrett. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know it was Toby Maguire. Um, He's also six foot eight. That's Damn. that's too tall in a society in a society run by Sarah. Sarah would probably have him murdered at birth. Like there's, <laughs> there's no reason a kid should be six two feet taller than me. <laughs> me, an adult woman. <laughs> an adult woman. <laughs> Uh, this just be frustrating, but also yeah. kind of freeing. I'd rather be way too big than too little. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's hard to I mean, travel. Mm, I remember one of the first things I've known Sarah for like fifteen years, and I remember the first time I'm drunk around her. She's just like, I was doing something. She's like, "Don't pick me up." <laughs> <laughs> Nobody picks me up. <laughs> no. It's the one thing I hate. <laughs> I hate getting picked up. And if you're if you grew up tiny, you got picked up against your will a lot. Yep. yep. Oh, I got the I got the the finger wagged right at me. She knew exactly where I was going. I was, I was gonna fucking I was gonna dirty dancing her like right there in front of all our friends. And she's like, no, no. <laughs> I yelled at you a lot those early days. Yeah, <laughs> was, it's all fun. It's part of it's part of being my friend, I guess. Um, uh, video games of 2010. We can mention these quickly here, but we will extrapolate on them in uh, page, on patreoncom slash time with the video game apocalypse. Boys, Toy Story three is out, and it is a wonderfully valiant effort by a Disney-owned studio to make one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my whole life. There is a version where you can play through the story of Toy Story 3. That's dumb. And then there's this toy box mode where you just get to be in these levels and pull toys out of boxes and create your own worlds and levels with every Pixar character. This became Disney Infinity, the Toys to Life 
series where you could buy action figures, scan them in, and but it starts here in Toy Story Three. Like a side mode in Toy Story Three, the video game became Disney's only developed game up until four or five years ago. And Transformers War for Cybertron is out. I loved having a, a giant conversation about this because this is every time a Michael Bay movie would come out, Activision would put out a game to appeal to people my age. Gen 1 Transformers, they call them. With the original voices and the original characters from the cartoons from the 80s and make it super serious and cinematic. And I just, I, I'm fascinated to know what younger people thought of this because it was, it, it's just like, it's an 80s kid's cream dream, but it's, why would anybody young in 2010 care? I don't know. It's None of this is reflected from the, in the movies. War for Cybertron. It's one of the coolest titles ever if you grew up caring about Transformers. And we do have a quiz for you about uh, people who lived and died. Uh, mostly people who were born. But uh, but I, I just wanted to say that right off the bat, patreon.com slash laser time. I, I wanted to thank our executive producer, Stephen Bales, and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time for making all of our, our podcast endeavors a reality, including uh, Patreon exclusives like Bonus Time, Sick of Star Wars. We have a neat mashup of both where the Sick of Star Wars guys who yell about Star Wars for hours at a time tell you why they love Star Wars um, coming up very soon. And uh, 30 2010 Games, uh, Games Edition. We have multiple episodes of that coming out in the next week or two. And I can't thank you guys enough. You've been really, really helpful and made a really, really hard time to live through much better. And uh, Stephen Bales and people like you, I, I can't thank you enough. And uh, Di, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And teasing for next week, uh, get ready to hear the screams of agony of every anime fan ever, because oh, no. one of their favorites is coming to the big screen. Are you kidding? And it is horrible. That's 10 years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> one of the worst fucking movies we're ever going to talk about. Oh, I should, I should say... This week's Laser Time is with uh, Adam from Paducan and Past Blaster. You can watch him stream stuff there. And uh, Jeremy from Tweakalicious. You can watch him stream uh, his historical games there. Having a big, giant, frank discussion about CG. A lot of people's criticisms of Sick of Star Wars are like, you're just anti-CG. I'm like, no. And it's time for a giant discussion about computer-generated imagery in movies, which is altered movies and. In a way, I don't think anybody who hasn't lived 80 years can really understand. And, and, and we have a big discussion on that this week. And I encourage you to check that out on Laser Time. And of course, CGI doesn't suck. Um, but sometimes the people who pay for it do. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty much how it works. Uh, but Diana, like, oh, I love the deaths this week. And I really hate the way I said that. Don't say that, because, mm -hmm. hey, you know who you're saying, uh, Brad Garrett's six foot eight? Mm -hmm. You know who's taller than him, or was, but we lost him in 2010? Manute Bull. Manute Bull. 47. You One see... of the greatest centers in history, because he was seven foot seven. Ooh. Okay. So, so yeah, a... there's a reason he has, like, records in number of block shots, because he's seven foot seven. A, you wow. want to see Rob Schneider in a funny thing, the SNL cruise line commercial that, like, uh, we have a pool and Manute Bowl on every cruise line and Rob Schneider standing next to him. It's hilarious. 
Uh, I believe I, I still remember a Mad Magazine joke, and it was just 77%, and it's like the amount of minute bowl that's visible through a fucking bathroom stall. <laughs> um, and then if, you, if you're an old school Laser Time fan, Dave and I were convinced by peppering algorithms, we wanted, we wanted Laser Time to be the number one SEO source for minute bowl. <laughs> it actually looked in We couldn't afford to do it. <laughs> Because it's too dumb a joke, but we thought it would be really funny if anybody who searched for Minute Bowl would find our podcast. It's still a funny... Minute Bowl, good guy, funny name. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really good. Don't... I would not anger his family. There's apparently his family are all really, really tall. Like, his mom was about 6'10". Whoa. Wow. Yeah. So... Don't don't get on the Bulls family side. I mean, they're in Sudan, so it might take them a while to get here, but they will probably come kick your ass. So I mean, if you mess with the Bulls, you'll get. <laughs> Jesus, why have I not heard that before? <laughs> why in 2020, when he's been dead for a decade, do we hear this? Uh, uh, oh. oh my! God. You know, I was just so inspired by grownups this week. Uh, you fuck with you fuck with the bowl, you'll get the Vuvuzelas. Uh, I ruined it. I ruined it. And so without, with the deaths out of the way, let's get into the birthdays. Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo, a ding-dong doodly-doodly ding-dong-doo. Oh, birthday. Okay. Birthday quiz. Turning 45 this week. Born June 25th, 1975 in beautiful Redwood City, California. She made her first TV appearance on The Price is Right, where she won a fireplace, which isn't very useful when you're a college freshman. You see, 1998? Okay, college freshman, got it. Yeah, born 75, turning 45. She was in uh, Good Burger, Dead Man on Campus, and appearing on 30, Third Rock in the Sun. Fuck. Uh, keep going, sorry. All right, how about uh, Boy Meets World and Grandma's Boy, The Good Family? Uh, Linda Cardellini. There you go, 126 yeah. episodes of ER and The Lot, and of course, Freaks and Geeks. Ooh. Yep. Happy birthday, Linda Cardellini. She was You're on. Awesome. She was on ER. Yeah, for I totally forget. I always forget about six hundred times the amount she was on Freaks and Geeks. That, uh-huh. Yeah, someone who's never watched ER that still astonishes me. It's and, crazy. Yeah. And he is so good and dead to me. I still have not watched that. I think it's, I should start it now. It's. I've great. never watched the movie, Everyone but I loved it's it. It's really fun. Yeah. There was a lot of Kurt Vonnegut shit in there, so I, I yeah, as a fan of him, I really liked it. <sighs> and that is about it for 302010 people. We're gonna uh, close out with "How I Got Over" by the Roots. Um, that Woo! album is ten years old this week. Uh, Billy Pride. Yes, I was very happy. To, I saw the Roots in Jurassic Five for the first time at the same show in 1999. Very nice. very happy about that. I, I believe. Otherwise, I'm just being racist. Somebody check the Warp Tour dates. Um, All right. Well, but, you want some inspiration, Sarah, for a tiny person. A friend of mine used to be their tour manager. Uh-huh. And he's like maybe five feet tall, five one. And so like they go on tour and start setting up and they'd be like, hey, where's the tour manager? He'd be like, I'm down. Hi. No, I'm down here. I'm down here. The tiny, tiny white girls in charge. Uh, yeah. I yeah. I can't believe I got to bring up the don't pick me up story. <laughs> Never pick me up. Uh, we'll close out with that. You can check out more at lasertimepodcast.com. Please listen to Laser Time or Video Game Apocalypse and check us out on patreon.com slash lasertime. Roots, take us out. Roots.